the year is 1974. A young college student who has the whole world ahead of him, named Dan O'Bannon, decides to write a horror sci-fi masterpiece, but he can't quite make it work in the way that producers will give him funding for, so he teams with... A schlong named John Carpenter sees John Carpenter is just some fucking boner from wherever, and they decide to embark upon their sci-fi masterpiece with only a beach ball in tow. A beach ball in tow and plenty of doobies. Lots of doobies. These two chodes, being the stoners that they are, decide to make a science fiction comedy called Dark Dark Star. So I guess real quick we should kind of run down what the podcast is. Yes, let's run down like what we're doing here and who the hell we actually are. That's a good idea, yeah, too. Yeah, smart. Um, okay, I'm Tate Chitwood. And I'm Andy Bonnie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we discovered not too long ago, Andy, well, I found out that you're a huge John Carpenter fan. Yes, I love John Carpenter movies uh, going back to the days of when they used to scare the shit out of me on the sci-fi channel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I uh, like I'm a big John Carpenter file. Nice. Nice. And you found out at the same time that I've never seen a John Carpenter movie. Yes. And I was shocked and horrified, especially knowing you. I was I was. Yeah. S- utterly astonished that you'd never that you're not familiar with john carpenter yeah i don't there's no real reason either it's just like and his some of his movies are like ones that i've heard about forever you know like like halloween and the thing and yeah um they live and they're all movies that i'm like i should watch those sometime because they're supposed to be really good you know yeah and i just never have for whatever reason yeah uh john carpenter I, I I grew up with John Carpenter kind of being like the king of horror for me. Yeah. Where like because he's big into like doing his own music. Like he he writes a, like a lot of these like really idiomatic like uh, like synth scores to his movies. And it's like but he also directs them and like I mean Dark Star he wrote also. Yeah, yeah. So he did all of that stuff. And it's like he does a lot of heavy lifting in his films. Yeah. And. Um, but the thing, but I think most people know him as like a horror guy because you've got the thing you've got in the mouth of madness. You've got, yeah, I guess, I guess escape from New York and escape from LA aren't horror movies, but they're kind of like dystopian future kind of stuff. It's not, I guess not scary, but right. Well, but I mean like Halloween is like the all time slasher movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, Um, So he's, he's, he's one of those like baseline guys and, um, I was just utterly astonished <laughs> that you've never seen any of his movies. Yeah. <laughs> so we had the great idea to do a podcast about him together. Yeah, we may as well. Yeah. Like we're, we were just going to talk about it endlessly like right. to, uh, for nobody. So and We were going to talk about it endlessly at Christie's hot tub and bore the living shit out of her. So Yeah, so we may as well do it and uh, force her to listen to it in the hot right. tub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll just play this like on a loudspeaker. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, would, I would rather she listened with headphones and we watch her and make sure that she listens yeah that's true. that's that's kind of what i would prefer for and that take notes. yeah 
You're take like, hey, notes. Hey, Christy, you didn't you didn't laugh at the joke that I made at six minutes and twenty one seconds. Um, just making sure that you heard it uh, correctly. It was a, it was a joke about um, how Dan O'Bannon is the writer and also the star, and also the special effects guy and also the editor. And you didn't laugh at that. And she'll say, huh? <laughs> Spot on Christy impression. That's right. That's classic Christy. Huh? She sounds just like Linda from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> we all know Christy. Yeah, She's yeah. always like, huh? <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So going through John Carpenter's, his feature films, I guess. Yes. Um, because he did some short films and stuff. Wow, I guess while he was a student. Yeah, um, I I was I was going to watch the there's there is somewhere posted like he did like a like an eight minute short film when he was still like a college student college yeah. student and uh, I meant to watch it so I could like talk about it and yeah. then instead I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's also a valid option. I know? mean it's covid time sometimes right. you just have to do nothing. That's absolutely right. Sometimes <laughs> or all the time in my case. <laughs> yeah, that's the way that I usually live my life, man. Is yeah. nothing is possible. <laughs> um but yeah, so it, we started with Dark Star which did I don't know if you read anything like about it or if you knew much about it like before. I did I did very little research, but I was paying close attention in the credits. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so John Carpenter did the story and the screenplay for this movie. He directed it and he did the music for it. Right. So like I said, this is like classic John Carpenter heavy lifting. Right. Where he's got he's got like kind of full control over the reins. But for the life of me, well, okay, like this movie has a very different tone from like the John Carpenter that like most people like think of when they think yeah. of John Carpenter movies. Yeah, Cause yeah, this yeah. one is billed as like a hilarious space romp. Yeah. Which I found a dubious claim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it was pretty funny. I, I laughed a lot. No, it had funny parts, but it was just like, like, I don't know. I, I felt like I was laughing because like, it, it, it's it's from 1975, right? I, yes, yes, yes. It's from 1975, and it's like a comedy, and it's like a sci-fi comedy. Right. And I can't really tell because, like, I uh, I generally have like kind of like this weird aversion to 70s movies, the way that they're like paced and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't necessarily delve in there that much because they are paced so different, and like yes. a 70s comedy just feels very strange to me as somebody <laughs> who was born in like the mid eighties, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it just doesn't hit me. Right. I right. guess. Um, so a lot of times, like I was like, I would see stuff and there were some like obvious jokes, but yeah. usually like, I was like, just, I was just like laughing at like, like, uh, like the obvious, uh, uh, cupcake tin That's on the front I, I of on on front of the uh, yeah. on the front of the guy's uh, uh, outer space yeah, yeah, yeah. his star suit I, so is what they call it. I took notes and that was one of the notes that I put. I was like, I love how the front of his spacesuit is just obviously a muffin tin glued to a cake pan. It's obviously a fucking muffin tin. And there like, were I, there were more things like that that I found out in like reading trivia and shit. Like um, the uh, well, the funniest one when they put on the spacesuit like helmets yeah they look so strange like the helmet port those like glass like viewing portion is like kind of up above their head yeah and it then it like rests on their shoulders yeah 
Uh, I guess that was because those were children's costumes that you could just buy at the store that were like children's spaceman costumes. <laughs> so they didn't. So on a child, that part would go down over their chest. <laughs> <laughs> and their face would be right where it's supposed to be, but because these are adults, it's like it looks so strange. For 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 the listener who maybe hasn't watched this movie, and you oh, should because yeah. it's uh, it's completely bizarre, it's bonkers, and wonderful. But, but uh, the the so called star suits uh, are these insane contraptions that have uh, like kind of uh, cookware glued yeah. all over them, <laughs> and uh, they have a truly bizarre helmet that goes it's it, so it's, crazy it's bulbous it, it kind of juts out like the way that like maybe if maybe if a caterpillar was standing like on your shoulders I, yeah. like a big one and was jutting out it kind of looks like that but it's like clear and yellow yeah. it looks completely outlandish it does but doesn't knowing that it was a child's costume make it make so much more sense like, oh dude i feel like there's a lot of child's costumes yeah. floating around <laughs> this movie like the like the alien Oh my God! Okay, should okay. we kind of like go through? The yeah, movie? let's oh, let's let's start at the beginning. Okay. Let's start our commentary at the beginning because there's there's a lot of completely insane threads through this yes. movie that yeah. appear to make no sense on first watch, and <laughs> if you research it, they continue to make no sense. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's a it's a completely wild ride. It's yeah. a, it, it is a weird space romp. Yeah. Real quick, w before we dive into the movie, I did want to say, too, that I noticed, like, the pacing of it. Yeah. And that is, to me, like, something that does feel so specific to, like, the mid-70s. Yeah. And it's, like, it's slow. Like, there's a slowness to it. And a lot of the scenes are just how these weirdos live their lives oh yeah at, in space at day to day yeah and like there's there's two the scenes with uh, uh what's that guy's name Doolittle. yeah, yeah. Uh, up in the bubble with the guy who won't come yeah. out of the bubble and <laughs> they're just sitting there talking and the guy's just like i don't want to come out of the bubble right yeah yeah and that's like pretty much their whole conversation but yeah. it lasts for like eight well, minutes yeah <laughs> it, it's a long time and i i find myself the older i get the more and more i enjoy that kind of pacing in a movie where i'm just like I would I would watch an entire movie that was just <laughs> three hours of them just like slice of life just like bickering at each other three you know? hours three hours of Bubble Man versus yeah I would, I would. <laughs> <laughs> what was the guy's name in the bubble it was uh, Trilby Talby Talby yeah I think it was yeah. Talby because I kept I kept thinking they were saying Alby. And that made me think of Albie the Racist Dragon. I was thinking tr a Trilby hat because he was wearing yeah. a Trilby hat throughout most of the movie, which I found incongruous. No. Okay. I, was, okay. <laughs> I would have believed it with this movie. And I was really like, did I miss that? <laughs> um, oh, okay. So the movie opens with like this broadcast from Earth that they're receiving. Yes. With like this like space force. He's he's General. like a boss. He's like a yeah. he's like some kind of corporate space force boss, yeah. and he's telling them that he got their request for a radiation shield because yeah. their radiation shield had been damaged. Right, and he's saying your request is denied. Right, but he also says that he also says something about the fact he's like, oh, um, yeah, we got we got your request from ten years ago. Like we got your message that they sent. 10 years ago yeah so like because that's another weird thing about this movie is that like they say they've been in space for 20 years but they've only aged three years yeah because they're they're doing a lot of hyper light right like hyper right, drive right. stuff so i like theory of relativity right yeah i went to college yeah <laughs> <laughs> i saw interstellar it's fine oh i know everything about science yeah <laughs> but like uh i really loved that opening i thought it was like 
a great way to introduce just like I just like the the mood of the movie kind of where it's just it's absurd and it's funny but it's also kind of dark because he's like you guys are doing a great job uh sorry your commander died by the way <laughs> yeah we uh he we did flags at half mast for right. 10 days right, right and uh sorry yeah. and uh no radiation shield right. <laughs> but keep up the good work <laughs> yeah you're doing it for uh, the you're doing it for earth it also had a very Doctor Strange love type of vibe I felt like um have you ever seen that movie Yeah I have it's been a long time since I've seen it but it's, it it yeah. does kind of have like that absurdist Yeah where it's just like the like this this operation that's so important Nice <laughs> You know what I'm going to actually I'm a pro I I'm cracking my beer away from the from the microphone I'm going to do mine right at the mic Oh Bush League. <laughs> <laughs> this is the party podcast. That's right. That's um, what we're doing here. Partying with a sewing table. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like just, yeah, the, the, the idea that something so crucial to all of humankind is being run by a bunch of dipshits, like, oh, is yeah. so funny. Yeah. And very uh, Doctor Strange love, I feel. Yeah, it really, like, it really sets up, like, kind of like the, the weird, like, because it's like the, there's an absurdist cruelty to uh, yeah. a lot of the movie. Like Doolittle, okay, so in context of the story, you see this opening and then you get onto the ship and they explode a planet. That's yeah. like the first thing they do is explode an entire planet. Right. I, I was like, that's just what they're doing? Like, yeah. We find out why they're doing it. Although it. It it's, was a, always a little nebulous to me. It's not clear why they're yeah. doing it. They're just like, it won't spin into a star the only, and become a supernova. But like, why is that Why is the, that their problem? The only clue that I got was like later on in the movie when they're trying to blow up that last planet that they try to blow up. Yeah. Um, they say something like, this planet will spin off its course and crash into its star in like 16,000 cycles. Yeah. Which is years, I guess, or whatever. And then the other guy is like, which means a potential supernova, which I was like, I guess a potential supernova could endanger the inhabitants of Earth somehow. Maybe that's... Well, that's I mean, they're, I they're flying of. like light years like around. I know. Like, well, that's I, also like, yeah, their mission is totally nebulous and it does feel just like... <laughs> it almost like kind of feels like NASA or the Space Force or whoever it was just wanted to get these guys away. <laughs> like they just like wanted to get rid of them. <laughs> like, well, that that was that was another big uh, uh, thread of the plot. So we watch we watch these guys. There's it's a crew of four. Their commander has been killed in a freak accident where his yeah. chair malfunctioned because they went Something. into hyperspace. Yeah, and when they when you go into hyperspace. Oh, I love oh, hyper yeah. I love the hyperspace sequences in this yeah. where like like everything starts like glowing and then like all the guys like freeze and they have like a red like like thing Some, about them as yeah. if they're like on fire. Right, right, right. And um apparently the commander had been killed in a freak chair right. accident while that was happening because I guess the chair is the thing. It was something they said like something short circuited and blew him up, basically. Yeah. Um and yeah, my my favorite character, um, Pinback, yes. Uh, who is who is Dan O'Bannon? Who's the co-writer of this movie? Yeah, and the editor. Yeah, and one of the special effects guys. Yep, I noticed. I I, I was keeping a special yeah, eye yeah. on him because he he had a lot of stuff going on in here. He had rubber chicken. He yes. had yeah, yeah, yeah. He had googly eyes. He <laughs> had that fucking sequence in the elevator. That 
terrified me. It lasted forever. And like, I couldn't tell, like if it was like a bottomless pit, like why wouldn't he just drop all the way down? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, but that legitimately scared the shit out of me. That whole sequence, it, it's that sequence somehow like com like combined fears that I didn't know I had and into one like crazy amalgamation thing where it's like being oh, trapped yeah. in a small space check I'm scared of that yeah but then like slowly and and like over and over again being threatened that you're gonna be crushed oh what well, drops to your death oh look at this guy who's so afraid of being slowly crushed <laughs> oh ooh. sorry not to brag but the it's snowflake. it's been a long fear of mine <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be slowly crushed by an elevator. Oh man! Well, welcome to America. <laughs> the number three cause of death in the United States is getting slowly crushed by elevators. That's right. It goes uh, heart disease, and then cancer, and mm -hmm. then being slowly, slowly crushed, crushed by, by an elevator. elevator. <laughs> and then uh, I think number four is uh, uh, MS thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah. I'm I not going to look that up. I think that's right. That's what Trump told me. Yeah, yeah. And he's smart. <laughs> so smart. <laughs> this is a pro-Trump podcast. Oh, boy. <laughs> Starting off strong in episode one. <laughs> I don't think Tate's going to commit to this bit. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> okay, so let's get back Let's get back to the plot. Okay, so we'll put basically... Put our political differences aside, and we'll yeah, get back to the movie. You know what? If you just stop bugging him about Russia, Russia, Russia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no collusion. No collusion. No collusion. No collusion. Um, um, okay. So, so they go into hyperdrive. One of, one yeah. of my favorite scenes in the movie uh, happened at the very beginning because it shows the Dark Star. The Dark Star is the name of their destroyer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that they're flying around in. And it looks very Star Wars-y. It does. It looks extreme. It, like the, what are where those? Where it comes into, oh, the Star Destroyers from yeah, the, Star Wars? Yeah, the Imperial like like yeah. cheese point yeah things. the star destroyers yeah. yeah 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 no this movie does begin like it it looks a lot like star wars where it's just like it's space it's a you see a planet and then you see the tip of the ship come in and then you see it go along slowly the entire length of the ship and i was like this looks exactly like star wars but this was like two years before star wars yeah i was thinking that exact same thing yeah. and they had kind of it was pretty like, cool the design was very like I thought it like looked a lot like those star destroyers because it was just so pointy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so it slides into frame and it's like it's like obviously going, and then it all of a sudden, like right in front of a planet, it stops on a dime. Yes, that's right. It just comes to a dead stop. It just goes like. Burp. That was really funny. I I don't know if that was meant to be a joke. No, but that was my <laughs> that was my first big belly laugh of the of the uh, movie was like seeing Me too. that just like it's just. Well, grind because, to an like absolute halt all that, of a sudden that looks like something that you would see and maybe it even happens in like space balls but they would just add in like tire screeching sound effects yeah totally like it's got to be something like that yeah i thought it was a purposeful joke at first when i was watching it but now having seen the rest of it i'm like oh, no, i don't think it was i think they was just how they did it it was well like okay like I wanted to look up the budget for this movie because I was wondering how much John Carpenter actually had to play with because he always does so much like, uh, you know, like like he's known for kind of like practical effects yeah. and puppeteering and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and he definitely did that in this movie uh, with with the alien. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering how much the movie cost because like like it did sort of seem like a joke, but it wasn't it didn't 
play like one at all so it yeah. looked, kind of looked like a technical malfunction almost <laughs> so uh so i was reading a little bit about like the origins of this movie and apparently there's like uh, a feature-length documentary about the making of this movie which i would really like to watch oh we're gonna definitely watch that yeah we we should do that we'll 100 percent watch it um maybe that'll be like a bonus like patreon episode yeah there we go <laughs> um but uh it started as a student film like him, like John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon were students at USC. And this was going to be like their basically like 40 minute final project for film school. Yeah. And they filmed that exact version of it. And it had a budget of a thousand dollars given to them by USC. And then it got picked up for distribution. I think like it kind of like it made its way to some producer yeah. And he wanted them to make it into a feature length movie. So he gave them $60,000 to go back and film 50 more minutes and just add it to the 40 minutes they already had to make it into a feature length movie. So I feel like that tracks now, like yeah. knowing that, like watching the movie, I feel like that it, totally tracks. It makes it make a little <laughs> bit more sense. I think like the structure of it and cause it does kind of feel like two movies. It, there's, there's kind of like, there's kind of like a lot of weird stuff going on because, um, as, okay. So where were we, where were we in the plot? We, we keep well, getting derailed. I think we were just about to the point where like, after they come out of hyperspace, they go back to their bedroom, basically. Yeah. And they have the really funny exchange about being like, we could just fix up, fix up the sleeping quarters again, you know, and there's... The, oh, that was another, like, my favorite... Like, one of my favorite running things throughout this movie is every single time a problem comes up, one of them just is like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, yeah. it's just like, it's purely to keep the plot moving forward. Yeah. But it's such a blatant and funny way to do that. Like, I now I want to try to write a movie where every time a problem comes up, someone just is like... Don't worry about it. And then it comes back to bite him in the ass later. Yeah. Um, I, I love their sleeping quarters because you get you get this scene where the three guys from the bridge, they go into their sleeping quarters yeah. and they're they're just hanging out and they're just like being like dudes. Yeah. And um, there's there's a spray paint. There's like a graffiti above the one guy's bed. And what does it say? It says it something says like boiler. Big boiler. Big boiler. His, because his, his name is his boiler. His name is boiler. So it, it says big boiler and spray paint but above, it's also his, like above his cot. Red spray paint that's like run down. <laughs> it looks very it looks very dingy and like I don't know. It, it looks it looks crazy like some kind of like seventies like punk rock house. Yeah, because there's there. also all those like nudie pictures on the wall. Too. Yeah, like, there's like like the, there's the, the there's the porno wall on the far side. Yeah. there's big boiler in spray paint, which right. is like why do these guys have spray paint? <laughs> yeah, I know. Up on the up on the space station, like why would and that's that's something that I noticed was like there he would drop in inappropriate items like the yeah. there's a scene where. Um, uh, oh crap. What's the guy, the guy who wrote it? Uh, oh, uh, Pinback. Yeah. Pinback. He's sitting around in a, he's sitting around in a hallway and he's totally just on like a an 80s, chair? like full yeah. deck, like lawn chair, like, like one of those really long ones. That's yeah. like, you know, with the weave and stuff, yeah, yeah, like yeah. so eighties or seventies yeah, yeah. and eighties looking. Right. And it's like everything else is like science fiction, but he's just like got this weird chair yeah. there. He's also reading a magazine that I, I wrote cause it was, the magazine title was so funny. It was it's called Man's Book. Yeah. And which apparently was a real magazine. Like they like because <laughs> that was just it was the issue from when they filmed the series. Only <laughs> only the realest man uh subscribes to Man's Book. And I couldn't I couldn't tell what any of the like blurbs on the front were. I think I saw one that said something about like 
cultists or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that sounds kind of cool. Or like cults of death or something like that. And I was like, this magazine seems pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That sounds like. It sounds like an uh, interesting magazine that I would read these days. I know. Man's book. That's right. It's man's book. Uh, summon a demon. Get it on board with you. Like, cool. The, the manliest of subjects, witchcraft. That's right. You know, just the stuff that all of the most manly men are into. Witchcraft, yeah. occultism, summoning, summoning demons, spells, that charms. Magazine, that magazine was started by... Um, um, shit. <laughs> Fuck, I was going to have a really funny reference there. Now I can't remember the fucking guy's name. Oh, he's I demolishing ruined it. it. <laughs> I ruined it. The guy who... Alan Parsons, that's who I was going to say. Ah, that magazine was started by Alan Parsons. Ah, there we go. See, it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, you, fuck it, you got there and you dunked on me. And it was and I appreciate so funny. It. Oh, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so these guys... They, these guys they go to their they go to their like sleeping quarters and they're having this really weird exchange where Doolittle is like the de facto captain now. Yeah. And he's sitting there and he's angrily doing what? He's like reading something. He's reading something, I think. And and uh <laughs> Pinback. And Pinback gets this big box out. Yeah, and he, and he puts on these glasses with like the the slinky googly the eyes. Slinky eyes, and like that's like this whole joke where he like gets up close to the guy next to him, and like, but he doesn't say or do anything funny. He just gets in the guy's face. Yeah, and I think the guy's like smoking a blunt and blows a smoke in his face. Yeah, yeah, the guy's just sitting there smoking at least a cigar. Yeah, and, maybe and, maybe maybe it wasn't a blunt, but although mid seventies, I mean mid seventies, it looked like a, a modern blunt. Were blunts not a thing in the seventies? Were they just joints? Oh, they totally were. I okay. don't know. I don't know if they would have been represented in an outer space movie. I don't know. I feel like a couple of couple of college students. I mean, you know, Dan uh, John, and John dude, Carver John Carver high. smokes weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He totally does. Yeah, it's probably he's a cool. Blunt. He's a cool dude. He's cool. He's awesome. Well, apparently, there was also a little detail in this movie, not, not to sidestep it too much, but sure. that um, I forget the producer's name that gave them all this money to make it into a feature length. He was very. Uh, very annoying to John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon, apparently. Yeah, he did. He did uh, this movie. He did the, this and two other movies. And oh. I looked this up and I'm trying to remember the producer. Yeah, the producer. He has, a, he, has he has a couple of credits to his name. And uh, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to look this shit up real quick. I think it, also when you do remind me what his name was, but I want to say it was like I want to say Richard he, Harris, but that's not. Yeah, right, he has a, he has he has some like normal as fuck name. Like it's yeah. it's like it's something really weird. But he has he has a couple of like uh, very strangely large um, credits to his name. Uh, one of them was the Poseidon Adventure. Oh wow! And uh, one of them was something else that other that people will recognize. Let me find this fucking guy. My phone is doing all sorts of stuff here. Oh boy! Um, it was Alan yeah. Parsons. It was Alan Parsons. He was in a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, he was in a spaceship. This was filmed he, on scene in uh, on, on location in Alan Parsons' spaceship. <laughs> They're flying around. Okay, here we go. Uh, all right, we got cast and crew. This is 
exhilarating podcasting right here, <laughs> listening to me fucking look this shit up. Jack H. Harris. Okay, Harris. That's, Jack that's, H. Yeah. Harris, this fucking guy. Okay, so he did The Blob, Unkissed Bride, 4D Man, Dino, like these are okay. like late 50s movies. I mean, The Blob was a big movie. Yeah, but he did, what was the, geez, he has a, he has a lot of producer credits for a bunch of different versions of the blob <laughs> like, he has all of his all of his credits are about dinosaurs or the blob the blob or the 4d man the blab the, the blab blib. the bloob <laughs> the blub it's the underwater version of the blob is the blub that's true. <laughs> it's about a rogue bubble that's <laughs> terrorizing fish with its oxygen <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh it like I'm looking at this and like god the uh I was looking at some art for Dark Star and it like had like a produced by credit. One of them like said it was the Poseidon Adventure, but that yeah. fucking guy doesn't have the Poseidon Adventure on his IMDb. He's oh, a blob he man. Yeah, he's a blob man. The blob man coming. The blob man himself. <laughs> That's right. Um but apparently John Carpenter snuck into like one frame on a computer screen. You see it flash, fuck you, Harris. Yeah, hell yeah. Guy. That's um, punk rock. That's I like, oh, I love John Carpenter. So that's my point is that like he totally probably would put a blunt in the movie and oh yeah to the producers just be like it's it's just a cigar. Like, yeah, you know, like, I mean it totally looked like a blunt. Like <laughs> it had like the plastic, or maybe it was a wood like tip. It was like it was like it, it had the th- it, and he was sticking the whole fucking thing in his mouth like old eighties guy style too. Yeah, yeah like, like it wasn't like back like holding it with his back teeth. Yeah, like yeah. and just like talking with it in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, but back to the thing you were saying about Pinback doing his his gags. Yeah. Did you notice what Boiler is doing when Pinback comes up to him to do the gag or what he's doing right before he does like the googly eyes gag? Uh, oh, he was doing a uh, mumbly peg. He was doing the. Oh, I see. I know it as five finger fillet. Yeah, like, I, I, like I don't know. Like I've always heard it was called that. But he like he pulls out a switch, a switch blade. blade. Yeah, this fucking astronaut pulls out a switchblade and starts doing the the game where you put your hand on the table and you like stab yeah. between your yeah. fingers. And he's got this fucking switchblade, and that's what he's doing when he gets the googly eyes treatment. You know what other famous movie scene that features in? Um, a movie I also have not seen, but it's in Aliens. And do you know what other movie Dan O'Bannon wrote the screenplay for? Alien. No oh man. And Aliens, but like he like yeah, Dan O'Bannon wrote this movie and then went on to write Alien, <laughs> <laughs> which is like one of the greatest science fiction horror movies ever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think I, that that's. I, I especially like that the theme of like the uh, the stab yourself in the hand game is just like something that he's like, yeah, that goes in all my movies. That's like my, that's like my signature. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> something I do in real life because I'm really cool. That's uh, right. So, oh man, I'm so I'm super tough. <laughs> we need uh, Dan. We need something. We need the character to be doing something here. Never. Uh, but he's just like he's just. You know, he's bored, he's killing time. Okay, so have him have rider. him pretend to try to sta- stab his hand, have it be that game. Just do the st- hand stab game. He's tough. He's tough. I don't think that's tough. I just feel like that's like oh, it's the toughest dumb. thing in the world. You're fired. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're the writer, you're in charge. <laughs> you're goddamn right. <laughs> Everyone knows screenwriter is the boss on the set. <laughs> that's right. He's number one on the call sheet. I'm just the executive producer, but I guess I'll fuck off. <laughs> That's a little Hollywood inside magic right there. <laughs> um, 
Okay, sorry. I, I, I keep interrupting you talking about Pinback doing his gags. Yeah, so he's doing these fucking gags, and he he does the googly eyes one, which I thought was just like so weird because he says nothing and he gets pretty yeah. close to his face and then he gives him a, a, like the slinkies go like blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah. the guy obviously hates it yeah obviously hates it and then this was this was another one of my favorite parts of the movie of the entire movie pinback gets up and he goes to doolittle yeah, yeah. doolittle is sitting there reading something and he leans into Doolittle and he reaches into his jacket and he pulls out a rubber chicken. And he doesn't do anything with it. He just pulls out a rubber chicken and Doolittle explodes. Yeah. Doolittle's like, get out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> Doolittle freaks out. He is so mad. He's furious at this rubber chicken. And he seems a little scared too. Like it seems like it startled him and that made him mad. Yeah, he was like, get this out of my face. Like, ah. Yeah. Like he he like went crazy over this rubber chicken. Yeah. And yeah. I guess I guess that's like. Like, I guess this guy has been like, you know, with them for a while and he's years. like annoying the shit out of them. Yeah. But at the same time, like he's like barely doing anything. He like yeah. shows you a rubber chicken and you're like, Argh! yeah, well, but they, they do kind of like bring that idea back around that Pinback is kind of probably doing all the same shit over and over again. Oh, yeah. For 20 years, because when he tells him the story later on. They just straight up ignore him and talk over him that, about being like, when did, when did we last hear this story? You know, like, yeah, that was that was uh, that was another one of the things that I really liked about the movie. But I was also really confused about was uh, Pinback's uh, backstory. Right, right. Where he's he's this like dingus who's working like <laughs> at, like to refuel the rockets. And he says like some astronaut comes running out and he's like, it's an incredible from, story. He's, he comes out and the astronaut is insane from like his training. Yeah. And he's naked and he jumps into like a fuel thing, oh, man. And so pinback puts on this guy's uniform to go into the petroleum and save him. But as he's doing it, like, a bunch of people run up and they're like, Pinback, it's time to go to space. And he's like, I'm not Pinback. And they drag him to the because Dark he, Star and he flies to space. Right, right, Yeah. <laughs> that, honestly, that that monologue was so great that I like, I wish I would have transcribed it so that we could read it right now. Oh, and yeah. I fucking didn't. And I was trying to look up online if we could, if I could find it anywhere online. But, um, but that story that he tells about how he like took over this other guy's identity was hysterical to me. I like I was like, this is just straight up great writing. It was like to me, it was like it was like a total like Looney Tunes like yeah. thing where it's like, hey, you're wearing uh, Pinback's uh, suit, you right. gotta get into the space plane now, and he's like, yeah, just like yeah, you're going to space, fly boy. Well, yeah, the thing, well, because he also like yeah, that's that's kind of the part in the movie when you find out that like he's a real dum-dum like, like yeah i mean you you, you can kind of see it before but yeah. that's just where he basically straight up says it because he says the thing of like um he's like you know he's like uh uh on the officer's test you have to get 600 to make an officer i got 58 and so, yeah so they made me a yeah liquid fuel engineer or whatever yeah he's basically then, pumping gas i right think. yeah and exactly then, and then like some guy An jumps astronaut into gas. dies <laughs> <laughs> like, or commits suicide by jumping into his vat of gas by jumping into an apparently open-topped vat of right. gas yeah and and he's like the reason that he couldn't tell people he wasn't pinned back was because after he put on the guy's 
Starsuit, is that what they call them? Yeah, that's what they were would refer, would refer to those as the starsuit. Yeah, like, yeah, I was gonna put on a starsuit naturally to go save right. him. And he's and he goes like, I was trying to tell him I wasn't pinned back, but I couldn't figure out how to make the radio work. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Ah, uh, yeah. Bush League, Tate. <laughs> Bush League. Sorry, I gotta have my beers. Oh man, this is whack. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I loved. I actually loved that backstory, but I wish that that was something that they had put in there, like at the beginning somehow. Because I would love it. to see like dipshit pinback, like j- like just get like dragged yeah. in. Yeah, and especially because. Okay, so we have to get more into the plot because yeah, like the yeah. way the way that it ends is a whole thing. So oh yeah, so at a certain point. Uh, where where are we now? We're, we're just, basically, I think, um, they're in their sleeping quarters. They're in their sleeping quarters. Uh, Doodle gets mad, and he and, and he, then he goes up. No, then he goes to play his little weird makeshift piano. Oh, that okay. I that wanted was, I wanted to bring that up very yeah, specifically. Yeah, that was one thing where you were talking about like. Why do they have a fucking switchblade or spray paint or lawn chairs? I was like, why do they have so many glass bottles? Uh, like they're on a space station. He, I was watching that and I'm like, there's no way he's not filling those glass bottles with piss. That's, that's like, what I thought too. Up. I was like, oh, because earlier too, he says the thing he when he's like transmitting another or like a captain's log or whatever. Yeah. He like the very last thing he says is he's like. Oh, also, there was an explosion in one part of the, the ship, and it destroyed our entire reserve of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so hell they're yeah. Just shitting and pissing anywhere they want. I think. Yeah, or at least they got dirty butts, which oh, is which definitely. is bad enough, you know. I I feel pretty confident there's probably not a bidet on that ship. No way. I, I just feel like bidet. No way. I I I feel like that's like a weird. I mean, it's obviously like a joke, but like like toilet paper on a space station for yeah. some reason, like really like kind of tickles me where it's like, you don't suck it up in the vacuum. <laughs> You've got, you got a, got like a floating wad just oh, like going God. through. <laughs> it's like, Oh no, one got away. Watch out. <laughs> just pass it back to me. Just toss it. That's right. Oh no, it's in the air intake. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, so they have no toilet paper. Oh, but the weird piano thing. Yes, the weird piano. That thing, that sequence is one of the most baffling sequences <laughs> I've seen in a movie in a while because he's spending his time, he's got this liquid, and he's spending his time tuning up these jars. It's all glass jars, and you can tell that he's trying to get a yeah. certain sound out of them, so he's tuning some of them up. That that liquid has to be piss. He's not wasting water yeah. on this fucking no, instrument. definitely. There's no way. And then he sits down. There doesn't appear to be any keyboard. Right? <laughs> there doesn't appear to be anything there except like... a bunch of bottles that don't get touched by anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then he starts playing this really bizarre, like piano, like calliope song on yeah. it, and it and it lasts for a couple of minutes. And it he, does. And he's just like he just plays you a little a little jaunty tune right. on a on some piss jars. Right, right, right. <laughs> I yeah, I, it was cracking me up that like yeah, because they're jars like kind of i guess like hung from string from this like wooden frame that he's built also where do you get the wood yeah like, where, <laughs> like, where does the wood come from where's his keyboard yeah um right. 
And that, where, where like he he was tuning up these jars, yeah. but when he's playing, there's nothing striking those jars. They, there is one thing. There is like one kind of little hammer that you can see that's like, but it it's not touching them. I mean, you can see that it's not. But I think that's the intention. It's just going back and forth, like in a constant motion, like a like a um, uh, what do you a metronome basically. Yeah. But it's clearly not touching any of them. But I think that's what that was supposed to be like a hammer and a piano, you know. I feel like that sequence is like classic, like like nineties kid, you know, where like if you're watching like a live action show where there's kids, but they're supposed to be like playing a musical instrument, <laughs> they don't know how to do it. So there's their fingers are just laid across <laughs> it and they're just kind of like giving you giving yeah, you yeah. like the little like yeah. like motion of it. There's some times in movies and shit where you see that kind of shit where it's adults that are doing it too, and you're like you can't even like kind of pretend. Oh, what man. was I watching? I was watching something recently where that happened and it was fuck. I don't know. I'm not going to be able to remember what it was, <laughs> but it was some, it was like a, like <clears throat> it was oh, that thing it was you do music. with Tom Hanks. It was that, no, those people, those people are, if they don't know how to play the instruments, they're at least faking it pretty good. <laughs> um, it was the music video for, uh, I forget the name of the song. It's a Paul Simon song from the 80s. It's the music video that has Chevy Chase in it, where oh, it's like, uh, uh, and some, you, I can be your bodyguard, and you can be a long lost pal. You know that song? Yeah, I know that song. Yeah. I wish that you would sing it more and louder. I, that's that's the only part I can really <laughs> kind of remember. <laughs> and, oh no, what is it? How does it go? That's the only part I can remember. Ah, but Okay, but you know the song I'm talking about. Yeah. If anybody knows the name of that song, look up the music video because it's Paul Simon. Yeah. Like an incredibly talented musician. Yeah, he's fantastic. And and, and for anyone who's listening, if you any any uh updates like things that we missed uh tweet them to at real donald trump yeah that's our official twitter page yeah, Just yeah. Tw tweet any uh corrections or you we, know anything to at real donald trump we see all those and we also are in charge of tweeting out at all of the things that come from that account so that's why sometimes it might not make the most sense is north north korea is going to be met with fire and fury like they've never known oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> There he goes again. <laughs> oh, old I, was Andy. I was I was thinking about a funny joke I heard. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Um, no, but in this music video, Paul Simon, I think that he's like holding a bass, and he's not even attempting to move his fingers. He's holding a fucking bass with his fingers just flat against the frets. Yeah, and I'm like, you're Paul Simon. Even if bass yeah, is right? not your main instrument. And even if you're trying to concentrate on this dumb fucking video you're making with Chevy Chase, yeah, you can move your fingers a little bit. <laughs> like my my favorite example of that uh, was from an episode of Saturday Night Live, but this is like kind of a weird deep cut. In the '90s, uh, the band Rancid oh. got on Saturday Night Live for okay. some fucking reason. <laughs> I don't know why. But, wasn't but I also like wasn't killing or killing wasn't uh, Raging Against the Machine on Saturday Night Live too? Like. I don't. I don't know about that. They. Ooh. I feel like they must have been. I think I they were, but I think it was one of those things where like them, and like Sinead O'Connor and stuff. Like Lauren Michaels after one performance was like, "You're not. You're oh, not yeah. allowed Rage, anymore." If Rage Against the Machine performed on Saturday Night Live, they would have like probably started a fire and like you know got cut for time or something. Yeah, <laughs> it might have been something like that. But anyway. But um, I I remember very distinctly. 
I heard that Rancid was going to be on Saturday Night Live. And this was in the 90s, so you couldn't record or anything. It was like, you know, the, the yeah. appointment viewing still right, right, right. Back, back in the back in the olden times. Must see TV. That's right. So, um, and I was a big, I'm a big punk rock boy. So I was like, okay, I want to see Rancid on Saturday Night Live. I want to see what they're going to play. And they played fine. I can't even remember what songs they played, but I remember their lead singer, Tim Armstrong. He was holding a guitar and he plays left-handed and he was just, he was just holding it and he was waving his like left hand around, but spinning just in circles and just holding the neck. Uh-huh. He was obviously not playing, but there was guitar music going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so it was like, it was like, it was like one of these weird things where it's like, Oh dude, Tim Armstrong, like doesn't fucking play the guitar, <laughs> <laughs> but not even trying to fake it either. Really? The, like he wasn't even like, he was just holding it and just like sp- literally spinning wildly in circles. And, if you look at the video, he's not, he doesn't have he doesn't have a wireless device and he doesn't have a wire, so it's like he's not plugged in. He's That's just a pretty big clue, right? There. Yeah, he's out he's out there like do, you know doing the whirly gig, right? Right. <laughs> That's very strange. It was very uh, you know lip syncing stuff. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh the. The weird piano, the weird piss yes. piano. So the weird piano. This guy's sitting that, here. It's a real you, piano. Yeah, and you get treated to a very haunting uh, piss piano uh, yeah. sonata, like a, a nice little. It's it's pretty beautiful, to be honest. Like, I I actually legitimately <clears throat> loved the music for oh, it. Oh, me too. Like it was oh. it was weird and kind of discordant. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, it was. Okay, so that was like. Since I don't really know anything about John Carpenter, one of the things that I know about him is like his his music is very iconic. Yes, John and Carpenter does his very own style of music yeah. generally, and I've I've heard some of that, and um, even before this, actually fairly recently, for whatever reason, in the past like month or so, I've been watching a lot of like synthesizer like demos and stuff like online yeah and yeah. some some videos about like how to recreate like iconic synthesizer music and there's s- several of those videos are how to recreate john carpenter scores you know oh yeah totally and um <clears throat> that brought me to the um assault on precinct 13 theme song which is very cool and i'm i'm very into that and oh. so going into this movie i was really excited to hear some of that synth music. Yeah. The only thing that I looked up before this movie or about this movie before I watched it was the theme song. I was like, I want to hear what this movie's music sounds like. Yeah. And when you look up the dark star theme song, the only thing that comes up is that Benson, Arizona, that country song that plays over the credits, yeah. which is also great. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, Oh, I guess this movie doesn't have that. And then, when it started and you actually did hear the music, I was like, Oh, there's that Carpenter synth. Like, yeah, that's that, that was a big thing. Uh, and it always is a big thing in John Carpenter movies. He tends to do his own music. I, I don't know if he literally always does, but I feel like he generally always does. Yeah. I think, I think kind of just going through his IMDb, I randomly saw one or two that he maybe didn't do, but for the most part, I think, yeah, he definitely does. Yeah, but he's got he's got a very he's got a very specific sensibility. It's very eighties, and it's so synthy. Everybody knows it, even if you don't know that you know it. Everybody knows it because it's got like that sound. And oh, that was me. Sorry, guys. Wow, Andy, rude. Oh man, I'm just, interrupted I'm, yourself. Uh, I I just. I just got a drink. <laughs> God, just to get through talking about this fucking movie. That's right. That we loved. That's right. Um, so 
so he's got this he's got this very he's got this very distinct sound and one of the things that I noticed that was really big in this movie that's very John Carpentery is he does he does like he'll he'll do the synth stuff but his big thing is that low background grumble yeah you know where it's like it's like it'll like in this it was like in Dark Star it was very phased out usually it was like Whoa. yeah yeah like a very but it's wide and it, it it paints everything in like this coat of like kind of like almost like dirtiness or it's like a cloud almost and then he just plays stuff over it so he's like doing like yeah. a lot of these like synth pads yeah and it can be very foreboding and like yeah really really cool i i, I always liked his musical sensibility his music is great and it definitely added a layer of like ominousness to this movie that, oh yeah. Like because like I said like going into this movie I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Um I was very surprised just when I looked it up on Amazon Prime. Did you hear that? My I, my phone started playing a podcast. Okay. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. Okay. My phone I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. And my phone will just fucking start playing them. It I I didn't touch my phone. I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And it'll just fucking start a podcast. <laughs> and I I don't know why, and it pisses me off to no end. I, it, that's an iPhone, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so I like you must have like a keyword set up like where you say it and you're like like oh man like i just don't get it and then and then the phone goes ding podcast time <laughs> <laughs> the the default setting on an iphone is whenever someone says i just don't get it and right. it starts playing whatever podcast they're listening to last it happened when i was in a movie theater one time it happened when i was seeing 1917 i oh, was shit. seeing it and it was like there are a lot of moments in that movie where it's very loud and you wouldn't be able to notice it this happened to be at a very quiet moment, a very quiet, dramatic moment during the movie. Oh, yeah. My obviously. phone started playing a podcast very loudly from my pocket. It was in my fucking pocket. And it just <laughs> you just start hearing voices. What what podcast was it? Do I don't remember? know. It was probably Comedy Bang Bang or something like that. But thankfully, this has happened a few times, too. Oh, but anyway, the guy sitting next to me really gave me a dirty look. But I like quickly pulled it out of my pocket and then like turned it off. Dude, like being that guy, I've, I've been that guy like once or twice at the Alamo Draft House because yeah. like... I like going to the Alamo Draft House because they have like asshole standards for like keep yeah. your phone put away and shit. Yeah. I like that. Me too. And so I follow the asshole standards because I enjoy it. But like sometimes you're that guy and that's the worst feeling in the whole fucking know, world where it's I like know. I'm sitting there and my phone goes like boing and yeah. I'm like, no, no. Because no. <laughs> you, you want so badly to be able to explain yeah. No, I know. I don't. I didn't. I, I'm not that kind of person. No, I swear. I always turned it off. Oh, I forgot this time. But you also can't keep talking because that would be making it worse because you're in the middle of a movie. That's right. So yeah. usually when that happens, uh, I usually uh, flip over the other person's food and then I just make a <laughs> run for it. Go ask for my money back. Distraction. <laughs> That's right. Bolt. I'm like, bam, knock over their drinks, knock over their wings. And I'm like, and you know, rip a hole in the movie screen as you run by it with your <laughs> switch. <blade. laughs> that's right. If uh, I can't watch it, no one can. That's right. I keep a Molotov cocktail with <laughs> me just in case I have to make a quick escape. If like my phone goes off, you know, I keep a lit Molotov cocktail in my jacket at all times. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but that's fine. It's okay. Uh, uh, Cause you wear clothing made of asbestos, right? Obviously. Yeah. And uh, an unlit Molotov cocktail is like an unloaded gun. It's not going to help you. You know what I mean? Keep that shit lit. Yeah. Keep it lit. You have to have it on fire. 
And especially if your phone goes off in the theater and you got to make a quick escape. Yeah. And you just got to toss it. That, oh, dude. Just in like, any direction. You just just toss it and, you know, say Trump 2020. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I did it again. Andy, come on. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Not, <laughs> this isn't the Joe Rogan show. OK. Oh, jeez. Oh, but you're so ripped. I know. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. And I will put my shirt back on now. Also, uh, I would prefer that you didn't actually, okay, if you well, don't mind. I'll take my pants off then. Oh, too. Dude, oh perfect. <laughs> uh, you're you're gonna match me then. I've been hanging pipe this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Like Mario, he that, he hangs pipe, right? That's right. He travels in pipes. I know that. He travels in pipes, and his dick is a big green pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> okay, so where were we in the plot? <laughs> oh, well, just something I was going to say really quick is that, like, I expected this movie to be much more of a horror movie because that's how I am just culturally aware of John that Carpenter. That is a thousand percent what I was thinking, too. Yes. And it's called Dark Star. Yeah. And, like, uh, yeah, so there were moments in this movie, and just because I didn't know what the story was at all, yeah, there were certain moments in this movie that ended up being so innocuous but that I thought that I felt a real sensation of suspense. One of them was right before he pulls out the rubber chicken because like, you know, you can tell they're all kind of already a little bit unhinged. Yeah. And the guys, the, the way that it's framed is you see the guy sitting on his bed reading and then Pinback walks up in the frame, but you can't see his head. Yeah. You just see him from the shoulders down. Yeah. So, you know, he's going to do something. Yeah. And then he reaches into his jacket and I was like, Oh my God, so you just going to like stab this guy to death. Like I thought maybe it was going to take a turn where like, <laughs> And then he pulled out the rubber chicken and it was great. Like, you know, but this movie had, and maybe that's just for me because I don't know, like I haven't seen this movie. I don't know much about John Carpenter, but like for me, this movie had a real, a really, really interesting, like a coupling of comedy and suspense because yeah. like, I just didn't know. It felt like anything could happen. Well, I, I also feel like that suspense is like re retroactive because like you expect a John Carpenter movie. Like, right. I, I'd never seen this movie before either. Like right. this is one that just like had never like come up on my radar. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I was watching it and it's like it's silly and it's weird. Like like the uh, there there's the part where um, for some reason the ship gets zapped right in a laser on its on like the backside of it. And then. And then that front panel in the in the oh in the uh, airlock yeah, yeah. Is, za is zapped off and it's like hanging and it right. says caution laser, laser. <laughs> yeah. like on the inside of it and there's apparently just a laser like pointed outward. Well, it's a communications laser. Yeah, but it got so, zapped with another laser, so this laser's on the front. Andy, Andy, it got zapped in an asteroid shower. Oh, that's true. There's there's so there's so many layers to this movie. Like I can literally It's oh, clear geez. that you just didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> the way that I did. And I think I would be friends with Dan O'Bannon, okay? I feel like so. I'm I feel like I'm being called out right now and I feel like it's justified. <laughs> All I'm saying is in my free time I do five finger fillet. So Well, I mean we call it mumbly peg, but you know, whatever. Okay, well, let, I'm going to call it Dan O'Bannon and see what he calls it, okay? Oh. He probably calls it Dan O'Bannon's favorite pastime. Get get Dan O'Bannon on the phone right now. Here we go. Call I'm, that motherfucker I'm, right I'm now. I'm dialing it up. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Hey, is this Dan? Huh? Dan? Huh? Hey, it's me. It's Tate. Huh? Dan. Huh? What are you doing? Mm. Oh. I Okay, I think he probably accidentally cut off one of his fingers. Oh, yeah. That's what he's, he was doing. It happens from time to time. 
dude, it happens to me. It's happened to me several times. Yeah. My uh, doctor has me on a strict prescription of no switchblades in the house. <laughs> I, I've, over the course of my life, I've had 13 prosthetic fingers. Really? Because of so much five-finger fillet or mumbly peg, as you call it. That's amazing. That yeah. explains why your hands are so big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a few of them were just cosmetic choices that I had. <laughs> I wanted to be able to play a nine-string guitar. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Like a like a true uh, prog metal yeah, hero. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna audition to take over Eric Leifson's spot in Rush. So, dude, you're gonna you're gonna fucking kill it. Like when he dies, or if he's already died, I can't remember. Um, uh, I I told you it'd be after midnight. Okay. Yeah. You're, okay. You're, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, okay. I think we're basically about to the part where you see the alien. Yes. So the alien, the the computer, there's a computer on board mm. the uh, the Dark Star. And the computer will give directives, but apparently not listen to anybody. Yeah. But it's in full control of everything, but it gives directives, but doesn't listen. Right. But it's so, also very, like... Um, I'm trying to th like describe the personality of the computer. I was almost about to say motherly, but that's not quite right. I don't think it's it's like cold motherly. Like it's like it's like it's a, exactly the way that they do uh, like GPS GPS <laughs> driving now, yeah, where it's yeah. like just like a like a vaguely British voice being like feet, turn, turn left. left, right, fucking now. <laughs> yeah, shut up and turn right. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing like John Lennon if it was a GPS. Oh, like, turn right. Oh, turn right. Oh, turn right, you idiots. <laughs> imagine me caring about you at all. <laughs> oh, imagine you getting to your destination, you guns. <laughs> It's acceptable because they use that word out there. Yeah, that's not British really that people. bad of a curse word in, in the UK. That's right. Um, but yes, okay, yeah, so the computer on board. Yes, the computer uh, takes care of everything. And one of my favorite things about this movie are the exchanges between the computer and the sassy bomb. The bombs, yeah. The sassy bomb number 20, where it's like... Oh, man. Okay, so this laser gets fucking damaged some, like in the asteroid field or whatever yeah, the yeah. fuck. Like, it's very confusing and, like, very science fiction-y. And so this laser gets damaged, and the laser, for some reason, tells the bomb to deploy itself. So the bomb starts to deploy itself, and the, the ship's computer will always have like a real like kind of like sassy intervention yeah. like with the bomb where it's like oh bomb number 20 oh <laughs> you're not supposed to you're not supposed to be out there then bomb number 20 <laughs> uh, i just wish now i'm just like imagining this movie if john lennon had done the computer <laughs> like he could have this was 74 75 he was still around yeah yeah he had and five he was, more years yeah he had some free time. He wasn't in the Beatles anymore. That's true. God knows he wasn't doing shit with his solo career. <laughs> That's right. Oh, fucking John Fuck Lennon. Fuck John Lennon. Fuck no, but, John Lennon. But yeah, so the computer is, yes. But it, it is funny because like, yeah, they do. They bicker. Like the computer and the bomb bicker. Yeah. The bomb's like, but I got my orders. Right. And the computer's like, you have to go back I'm inside then, mates. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, then the, and then the bomb's like, but I don't want Right. <laughs> and eventually, like, that happens. The first time it happens, I feel like the bomb is like, okay, I'll go back in. And then the second time it happens later on, the bomb is like, 
okay, but I'm telling you, this is the last time. Yeah, he warns the computer. He's yeah. like, I'm not doing this. So I'm not like, doing this again. The whole movie... <laughs> You know something is fucking gonna happen with that. It's it's like Chekhov's bomb. And oh yeah, but it's a kind of a great setup because they remind you of they do it once and they remind you of it and yeah. then they pay it off. It's a, just a really simple, clean, you know, three beat kind of structure. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, uh, okay, so this brings us to I think the sequence that I really, really, really want to discuss, which is the sequence with the alien. Yes, I'm the. Se- uh- the sequence with Putting the my alien. Putting down to talk about the alien. The sequence with the alien <clears throat> is one of the most delightful, uh, so good. nonsensical, madcap things I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, uh, but I will tell you, it legitimately scared me. Like I already said, the part in the elevator shaft scared me. Yeah. But the whole part, I mean, okay, the alien. Oh, don't crush me to death. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's what I'm afraid of. The alien is clearly a beach ball. Obviously a beach I mean, ball with two human hands underneath it. Well, they're like, yeah, then they're like monster gloves. Like, yeah. they're like, probably probably when they were buying those kids' space helmets, they bought kids' monster gloves. Oh, yeah, they, they, totally, they totally went to, uh, like, the 1975 equivalent of Halloween World. Yes, yeah, And yeah, bought, yeah. like, uh, Spaceman outfits and, like, Creature from the Black Lagoon outfits. That's what and, it is, yeah. And an enormous beach ball. One enormous beach ball. Right, and they spray-painted it with, like, <laughs> they spray painted stripes over the seams. Yes. Which were but still clearly visible. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Didn't hide the seams at all. Yeah. And then they've painted like yellow spots. I mean, I guess they, I think the whole thing is red with like black stripes and yellow spots. Yeah. If it, it, it looked to me like, like a proto attack of the killer tomatoes sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where it's just like this big, stupid tomato. And the thing, the thing that really drove me crazy about this sequence was like the guy just goes in and he is just fed up with this oh, I know. stupid alien. Oh, and, and they also, cause the computer is like, pin back it's it's time for you to feed the alien and he's like i don't want to feed the alien yeah and then they're like it was your idea to bring it on board you said the ship needed a mascot which was such a funny idea yeah also where the hell did they get that alien from they're not going down onto any of these planets they're just blowing them up okay this is this is my theory and i was thinking about this really specifically because there's a mention of uh the time where doolittle was the was piloting the ship and he said they went down onto a planet for that had like an 85 percent chance of like oh. intelligent life and all they found was like the weird bag that's thing. right and i think that's what that thing was yeah i i completely forgot about that but yeah you're, but that's, you're totally but that's right literally five seconds of the movie that gets glossed over by uh, a lot of uh spaceship noise yeah, yeah like yeah. bleeps and bleeps yeah, and that's like true. <sighs> yeah that's true yeah okay but you're okay okay so that's where they got that that alien yeah but yeah so he has to feed the alien could you tell what the thing was that he was trying to feed it i don't have the foggiest idea it looked kind of like a coconut i, I thought it looked kind of like a coconut but also kind of looked like a crab shell like i was like yeah but he was like we don't have nothing else so fucking eat it right. and he was being mean to it and he it was, was so pissed and then it was and then it was like it was like yeah. it had like it had that weird like atari like like uh 2600 like video game voice yeah like, yeah you know like like totally nonsensical but he's like oh you're gonna bring that up yeah yeah right right <laughs> he like he also goes in there with a broom and a dustpan i guess and to clean up its shit well he's cleaning up its shit but then also he goes 
he goes really quickly from trying to feed it to beating it with a broom. Well, because it jumps <laughs> on his back, to be fair. Like, it, it jumps on his back and starts doing who knows what, because he's just... You yeah. can't tell if it's hurting him or if he just doesn't want it there. It could be it could be hurting him. It could be fucking him. Yeah. It could be biting him. He probably maybe just doesn't want to touch it. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's not clear, but he's just like, he just kind of goes like, eww. Right. Yeah. He just makes a lot of like pained faces and like, like, ugh, and like shruggy shoulders. Yeah. And he goes, he goes really fast from going in <laughs> to feed it grudgingly to beating it with a broom. Oh, here's my, my, one of my, maybe my favorite part in the entire movie yeah. is because it it leaves the little room that they keep it in yeah oh well also when he goes into that room before you see the alien there's these like floating lights on the back wall i and he goes get out of here and the lights like scatter away yeah they like what move the away was, from him were those i don't have the foggiest idea because at first the, i was like is that the alien that's what i thought yeah that, that's like that, that was kind of the entire setup and yeah. then it was like this fucking like beach ball that appeared out of <laughs> nowhere it's like up on the it can like climb walls too i think it can fly it, it can, can basically fly? fly well it does jump that like weird elevator chasm yeah over and over and attacks yeah, it like true. over and over and flies to safety even though he can't possibly reach his leg <laughs> <Yeah>, over <that's> <laughs> um okay but yeah the part so it gets out of the little room and, and it's he, out of the room that it's imprisoned it's, in right and it's kind of attacking him yeah. and yeah, he's like he he like whacks it a good like five times with the with the with the broom. Yeah, but then it grabs the broom and whacks him five times in the face. Yeah, hell yeah, that was so fucking funny to me. I don't know why. Like, it just like I wasn't expecting it to like use the weapon against him. Yeah, that was great. No, that was fantastic. I liked watching that thing uh, hit him back uh, with the broom. I liked watching it caper around and like you know like kind of like peek around corners and shit. After a while, like. The first time you see it, like, you're like, it's hysterical because it's clearly just a beach ball. Yeah. But after a while, I found myself, like, not thinking about it as just a, a really cheap effect. Yeah. And actually, because I feel like they did a pretty good job of kind of imbuing it with a personality. Yeah. For as cheap and as simple as it is it was it was kind of a it was kind of the like the jerry to uh like like the humans tom like oh sure sequence. okay like whereas like you know he's like the rascally <laughs> the rascally mouse that's like always getting like the upper hand yeah yeah, yeah. for sure i i got confused for a second because I, I thought you were gonna say he's like the jerry to the humans george and i was like what? <laughs> <laughs> how does that make sense that's right this is a proto seinfeld i guess i can see it although i think the ball is more like george than anything uh yeah i i, I would call it, i would probably call it more of an elaine personally mm. but like you know, I got to see where John Carpenter's coming from. Well, that's true. I think Pinback is definitely the George. Oh, yeah. I think. Totally. Uh, but, you know, I think Boiler is the Kramer. Oh, 100%. I think Talby is the Elaine, and I think Doolittle is the Jerry. There, you've got I, my I, opinions I, on I, it. I feel like that tracks, but also, like, they shoot Elaine out of the airlock. <laughs> Okay, so so there's this madcap caper that goes on with the alien, with okay. the alien and t t uh, pinback. pinback. But like, so you didn't know, I guess, when you're watching this, that Dan O'Bannon would later go on to write Alien. No, I definitely didn't. But know knowing that. that now, isn't that so nuts? Because that whole like, it's like probably oh, it's like, like it's a like, twenty-five it's like a, minute chunk or something. It's like a fucking ventilator sequence. It's like yeah. proto Alien. Yeah. yeah, and then it. It's just, it's, 
I thought that's what the, the whole rest of the movie was going to be. Yeah. I thought the entire rest of the movie was going to be alien, but a comedy. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it's much more baffling and, yeah. uh, oh, because he, he's in the elevator shafts and stuff and like, he's dealing with the alien yeah. for such a long time. For, for a really a long, long time. time he gets he he crosses he crosses the chasm that's apparently bottomless it doesn't appear bottomless when the <laughs> no. lights are on yeah but it's apparently bottomless because he's Pretty horrified high. of falling down it i would be too and well it just it didn't you're very tall it it wouldn't bother you it just but I, for I, short I, people like me and pinback <laughs> it'd be a problem <laughs> you know break your little legs yeah <laughs> oh. i can relate to dan <laughs> I I was I was just watching him the whole time and I was like especially the setup of it like it makes it look like it's bottomless but then the lights come on and he's at the elevator shaft and he has this he has the madcap adventure of like uh, of avoiding the elevator shaft while the alien like totally blocks him from going forward yeah. but he also never once tries to go back where he came from that is true. which goes to the emergency airlock which is part of the ship and it doesn't seem like he has to be in the elevator shaft that is that is a very valid point <laughs> i had not thought of that and he never once tries to go back but he has a madcap adventure where he's avoiding the elevator and then he gets into it and then yeah but he gets stuck i know he gets stuck and then he wears uh like he gets released but he's wearing a big part of it like a hula hoop it's a very that was a very funny sight yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like i just couldn't figure out it's like because when it blew up i i mean that whole time i was like this guy's gonna die yeah like this is where this guy's gonna die yeah um he just doesn't yeah i mean spoiler alert i guess they all do eventually but but yeah he, pretty much he just he doesn't right there and i was really amazed that he didn't die right there. and so when it blew up, I was like, oh, that's what killed him. And then he walks out, yeah, with the big, like, hula hoop thing. Yeah, like, because it was like, we're, the, the computer tells him that the there's a charge in the floor that's going to, like, blow and right. let the part of the floor that he's obviously stuck in, it's yeah. going to explode and let him go. And so he's worried about the explosion. So it explodes. And instead of him being exploded and f or falling down, right. he walks out of the elevator with the thing on him like a, like yeah. a hula hoop. And the, but the next time you see him, it's just gone. Yeah, it's just gone. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it, was a, it was a real fun question mark side gag. <laughs> um, oh, but then, yeah. So that the thing with him goes on for so long. But then you cut back to... Uh, Doolittle and Talby still having their conversation up in the dome. Oh yeah, and like that—that was really funny to me because I was like, "How long have they been talking?" Or it doesn't even seem like they're talking at that point. It seems like they maybe just been sitting in silence for like twenty minutes. That was kind of their dynamic. Like, yeah. like, like Talby was there. Doolittle was only asking him like a handful of questions, and it seemed like other than that, they were like maybe just staring at the cosmos together right and, and doolittle was also talking a lot about his surfboard yes which he, will come into play yes the surfboard i loved when the surfboard paid so, off oh me my too. fucking I mean, that god. was a big big laugh for like me. oh my god that was like that like i i spoiler alert i texted tate you did i watched the movie and then i texted tate and i was like the ending is par excellence. Yeah. Well, the first text you sent me just said that fucking movie. Oh my god. <laughs> and I was like, I had, I was like, ten minutes into it at that point, and I was like, I'm still watching it. <laughs> I love it. I fucking loved it. So, okay. So, um, there's this part where Doolittle, the de facto captain, is 
they're they're gonna bomb a planet and he's ignoring the guy who's in the airlock and the guy is like yeah. i found the malfunction in the in the spacecraft right, right, right. He's, and like, he's like he's like shut up yeah he's like don't bother me i'm trying to concentrate <laughs> and he just shuts him down yeah and is gonna like bomb a planet and that's kind of the that's kind of the entire turn for the last part of the movie right that's basically the last like half hour of the movie or so or whatever. yeah 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 which which we've been talking for it seems like a while now. I'm gonna actually check because I also kind of need to take a pee break. Yes, yeah, so let's take uh, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Okay. Oh, Tate. Oh, Andy. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Hope you enjoyed those messages from our sponsors. Oh, uh, so many sponsors we have. They're so great. They're giving uh, us so much money. Podcasting is lucrative as fuck. Yeah, we're rich now by the time this comes out. Oh, yeah. Uh, Casper Mattress has uh, bought me a mansion. Wow. You got a Casper? Is it haunted? Uh, yeah, but um, I but I like it. I need a I need a companion. Okay. Casper's he's, he's friendly. Yeah, that's good. That's no, good. he's great. And like you know, under the light of day, he turns into Devin Sawa, which is like oh yeah, sure yeah. <laughs> I got a I got one of those bonobos mansions. Ooh, it's nice! Full, it's full with of monkeys. It's full of monkeys. Oh man. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Can't geez. get rid of the things. <laughs> I mean, I dress them up in nice clothes, but you know. They're still monkeys. I know. They no matter how well you tailor a monkey's clothes, he's still gonna throw shit at you. And that's yeah. just I will say one of them is a very skilled tailor, though. And that's been helpful to me. I mean now I don't have to go to Ace Tailors anymore. Hey. I, 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 no slack against Ace Tailors. They're, they're fine great. for a non monkey. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but if you really want that fine tailoring, you gotta get a monkey to do it. That's right. They've got strong hands and yeah. uh, uh, nature nature smarts. Yeah. You don't even have to tell them anything. They just, they know what to do. That's right. Uh, so there were there were two things that I wanted to mention. Okay. Before we get to the sort of final act of this movie, the end game. Yes. Um, I think I think probably Marvel ripped off of this movie when they were doing Avengers Endgame. Uh, I mean, this came out two years before Star Wars, and the uh, the shape of the Dark Star is like Star Wars. Uh, send. John Carpenter a fucking check please and Dan O'Bannon too. Yeah. My boy fucking writing it up and uh playing playing our favorite dipshit. That's right. <laughs> I also did notice that the like when they do go into hyperspeed or whatever, like most of it looks kind of like whatever, but there are the shots where it's like head on and the stars are coming at the screen and I was also like that looks like Star Wars. Like Dude, they did a bunch of that proto stuff like like going into hyperdrive uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring up way earlier was the first time they go into hyperdrive at the very beginning of the movie. It appears they go backwards. I didn't. I didn't notice that. I I felt like they went backwards, but um, maybe Tate, you're a hundred percent right. Like that iconic like Star Wars shot where like the the yeah. the stars are like kind of like running together right, and coming right, at right. you in a weird way. This that happens in this movie. It really does. Like in the first few minutes of the movie. Yeah, I was kind of blown away. I was like, I think George Lucas probably ripped off some of this shit. I mean, he I guess he went to the same school as John Carpenter right around the same time, probably. So Oh yeah, they're USC. USC, guys, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably right around the same time because George Lucas's first movie, THX one one three eight, came out in seventy one. So oh. 
And okay. this movie, as a student film, I think they finished it, the student version of it, in like 71 or 72. So they were yeah. like, they were um, contemporaries. I, I wonder I wonder if uh, John Carpenter's fame preceded him and derailed George Lucas's uh, synth playing career. Oh, you think George Lucas was going to be like an incredible synth player? Yeah, like, like in George, his free like, time. Like George Lucas was working on like his space opera, and he was going to do the whole score and stuff like that. And then he sees, and then he sees, he sees Dark, Dark Star, Star, and he's like, "Oh God damn it!" He's like, he's like, "Well, I guess I'll hire John Williams." That's right. He he throws Only the greatest composer who's ever lived. He throws his tattered guitar in the trash and hires John Williams. Yeah, but it's one of those like Casio electronic guitars. <laughs> <laughs> um but okay so so just to jump back to the alien really quick the beach ball alien yes i love the beach ball alien he he grabs the anesthetic gun which i think nowadays we would all know as a tranquilizer gun but back then i guess it was called an anesthetic gun yes and it's been by the way readily available the entire time he's been on this madcap caper with this beach ball right and it's just on a box on the wall yes it's um, right there where anyone can go to it yeah you don't have to have a key or anything it doesn't seem like he it's, takes the entire box off the wall. It's it's wide open. He takes the whole box off the wall, pulls an entire gun out, and has a lot of time to load it. Right. Like, he's just chilling out, and it's a big old gun. I thought for sure, well, because I was under the assumption that the alien was going to be the rest of the movie, I thought for sure that he was going to like try to shoot it, and it was going to escape. But it doesn't. He just shoots it. And then it deflates like a be- like, like a, a like a balloon ball. like a balloon it like just a- like flies around it's like yeah yeah <laughs> but I was like the fact that they made it like deflate I was like are we meant to understand that it is actually supposed to be a sentient beach ball oh yeah <laughs> like that's like it's not it doesn't like within the universe of the movie. I was, it's like a race of beach ball. Aliens. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that I loved about this was he was hunting it around and they had this definite like roadrunner Wiley coyote, like, yeah. uh, like, like dynamic to it. And, Oh man, Wiley Coyote, he just couldn't catch a break. I was waiting for that fucker to shoot himself in the eye right, with like yeah. a trank dart or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Or like, you know, get shot in the butt and he goes like, Oh, my little butt. And yeah. like falls and asleep. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, the beach ball alien like maybe like, takes a shit on him or something. <laughs> right. But no, he hits the beach ball alien and it yeah. flies around like a balloon and it's it dead now. Yeah. It's gone. It's out of the movie. It's done. Never comes back. That There's sequence no... is done. Yeah. Don't worry about it anymore. And nobody talks about it. Don't worry about this 25-minute chunk of an hour and 20-minute movie. <laughs> yes, and nobody wants to know what happened to the alien. That's right, because that, that nobody leads us ever in, asks. That leads us into the next scene where he's trying to tell the other guys the story. Yeah. And he's trying to be like, guys, it's crazy. Like, I just had this crazy experience. And, and, and they, they don't flat fucking out, care. They flat out ignore him. They don't and fucking care whatsoever. Until he says, like, well, if you guys just don't care, I'm just going to stop talking about it. And one of them goes, like... That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's Doolittle. <laughs> they are assholes. Doolittle, Doolittle's a fucking asshole to people. He like I know is, that he's like the captain, but he's yeah. like he's a fucking asshole to people. Yeah, like he's straight up. Yeah. It's, oh, but so then they so then they 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 go they they get their dinner. Yeah, which is like it. Uh, uh, melted otter pops that's that they're that they are that they're sipping as that they're sipping as like like just as tiny as possible they're like oh it's it's ham and then it's just a, it's 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 a brown otter pop like yeah. just like 
unfrozen yeah and they are just like yeah yeah there's a long scene too yeah uh, they're sitting there and i remember the one guy with the with the long mustache it has so many close-ups of him sucking that blue liquid out of that thing it was kind of grossing me out and and he's also not getting any if you look at it he's not getting any of the blue liquid out he just keeps putting it in his mouth and it's like it's this weird like gross thing where it's like i'm sure that's because they were like listen we only have two of these preps that's uh, right. We cannot shoot this scene more than twice. So I, take as little as you can. I like I like the idea of like, oh, we ran out of money. So uh, your uh, ham popsicle is Windex. So don't drink it. <laughs> <laughs> it was bright blue. <laughs> it was Windex blue. Yeah. yeah. Like that could have been Windex. It very well might have been. And they're like, so yeah, your ham popsicle like and you're we're going to keep it on you. We're going to keep the camera on you. Don't drink the Windex though. Just it's whatever poison. You do, just don't drink it. Yeah. It's poison, but you have to put it in your mouth and pretend to drink it yeah. and like it, and you like it, and it's ham. Right. Because <laughs> we're going to have several close ups of you doing it. Yeah. In fact, this is going to be 10 ish minutes of the movie. Can we can we just do a wide shot so I don't have to like pretend so? Absolutely not. I'm John Carpenter, and I okay. say that my synth track comes first. Okay. That's, yeah, I understand. I guess you're the genius college student here i guess so you you can drink some windex now that i think about it (laughs) as long as you keep supplying me with blunts then i will i'm happy as long as our blunt budget doesn't run out easier done than said (laughs) (laughs) but so that okay so that scene then is where we get um uh uh pinback telling has telling his great story about how he became pinback yes how he was trying to save the naked insane astronaut and right. he put on pinback's uh star suit. His star suit and got dragged on to right. the dark star yeah. and shot into space and then the next scene is maybe i know i said the broom thing was my favorite but i think this next scene is actually my favorite scene in the entire movie where he goes into a little room Sits in front of some kind of device, pulls out an eight track tape that has just in Sharpie written my diary. Yes. But it looks like child's handwriting. Yes. And then obviously child's handwriting. Yes. And then he he watches back some of his diary entries and then he records a new one. But just that whole like fucking thing where he's watching back his diary entries that felt like a, like a solo show that you would do at a comedy theater or something oh, yeah. like that. It was so great and so fucking funny. And the the first one where he like he looks totally different, like his hair's all disheveled. And throughout the movie, he kind of has this like country bumpkin kind of accent a little bit. Yeah. But in his first diary entry, he really has it. Yes. And um, it's just I don't know. It's so great. My my favorite thing about that whole sequence, and I don't know if you noticed this, but that that noise that it makes when he goes to start and stop recording, yeah, where it sounds like just somebody screeching into a <laughs> microphone. Yeah, it, was... it doesn't sound like a dial tone in a phone or anything. It sounds like someone going, ah! <laughs> and and you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, and yeah. like he pushes it and it goes, ah! <laughs> and you're like. That's that's recording, and he's like yeah. fine with it, and he talks over it, and then he starts talking, and it goes, ah! <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> the f- fucking weirdest thing. Yeah, it is. It's very very strange, um, but it, it it's just there are a lot of little funny sound effects in this movie. Honestly, like that yes. was kind of one of. I think that they were mining some comedy from the sound effects, which is a thing that I am 100% on board for it. I love that shit. Yes, I love a funny sound effect. Like, especially that one. 
like that one made me laugh so hard because it legitimately sounded like like uh they were like okay uh i need like a dial tone sort of thing so scream yeah yeah. just just make like a dial tone sort of sound and they had like some like lady do it or something i didn't honestly notice it there so much but i noticed it a lot later on when um uh when the bomb won't drop and like they're trying to get it to drop and it makes that really deep alarm sound but it yeah. definitely sounds like a guy's voice yeah it's like it's like like yeah. it just sounds like a dude doing like a frog impression or something yeah they yeah. have they have so many weird like sound cues in this movie like that that was one that really struck me because they were they they kept okay so are, are we gonna get into the last third of the movie here there's one more thing i want to say really okay, quick okay. really quick um, when he's recording his diary, it has my favorite line of the entire movie. Okay. And one of my favorite lines that I think I've heard in any movie. Yeah. Um, where he's talking about how, uh, he's talking about how he's like, I was trying to start a round Robin style discussion yeah. uh, for camaraderie about us commiserating and our experiences on the ship. And then his line, I wrote it down cause it was so great. He says, my overtures were brutally rejected. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I, I gotta start using that. And, in he, life. and he, and he finishes it with like, uh, one day they'll hear these yes. recordings and be sorry. And be sorry. <laughs> he's such like, he's such a sad sack. Yeah. Like, I love it. I, I, I love that. I love that weird mentality of it's like someday they're going to hear this and they're going to be so yeah, cause he's sorry. He's crying too. The way they treated me. <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta, I, I just, I want to try to work in the phrase. My overtures were brutally rejected into life just as much as i possibly can now oh yeah it's a it's a very cromulent phrase it'll probably come up a lot oh it always comes up like yeah. you're <laughs> my overtures are always being <laughs> brutally, brutally, brutally belayed <laughs> it's just like weirdly poetic for this dumb guy yeah but anyway okay yes now i think we can get into the okay the so final act of this movie. so the end game of this movie is we've got we've got telby in the airlock and he is trying to he's trying to relay to Doolittle that he has found the malfunction that keeps the bo- the sassy bomb coming out right to come and talk to the computer right and so he he finds this communications laser yeah and <laughs> you were saying earlier about how the the like the panel on it is just hanging on by like one corner yeah and then he touches it and it falls off. Yes. And then the computer goes, the communications laser has now entered test mode. Yeah. <laughs> like the only thing that you had to do to make it enter this test mode. But that's also a running thing throughout this movie is that is that every um, function of the computer on the ship is constantly basically trying to kill them. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like Looney Tunes level. Like, because when he's in the elevator... Pushing like one button makes the music start. Yeah, one button makes the computer go. Congratulations, you've decided to clean the elevator. <laughs> and, one, and one button makes it like explode, basically. Like, yeah, and they're not labeled. They're just all right next to each other. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. it's like a forty button array. Exactly. <laughs> Quick note: Have you ever seen one of those? So when in the elevator, the the keypad. I, well, first of all, I loved that they had mechanical keyboards and a spaceship. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just seventies like that's what they had yeah but totally. i just i love the like incongruity of like 70s technology mixed with like it's the year 2150 you know oh but yeah i've never seen this before the 
the keyboard that's in the elevator, when he touches a button, a like thing pops out, like a like a little tray thing almost like pops out. I feel I feel like that's like a science fiction thing that they just dropped in that I don't I, I don't know what the it almost prop- looked like just like a real like knowing how they use like muffin tins and shit like that. Yeah, like, I was like, I was this like some kind of. It was like it was like a guess who board or something like that. Yeah, like push it and like the thing like springs up. It was just weird, but I it was very cool. I've never seen any other kind of movie, and it's the kind of weird thing where I'm just like, I love that, and I wish I had one. Yeah, no, there would be no use for it. Like, but it just looks cool. But anyway, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Um, But yeah, so yeah, the communications laser. Yeah, so uh, so we've got uh, Telby doing the communications laser thing uh uh trilby i'm gonna call him trilby <laughs> sure. I, i'm i'm committing to that now but it's he's trilby yeah trilby yeah. so he's he's messing with the communications laser and he's trying to tell doolittle about the communications laser but the thing is is that they had found an unstable planet that they were going to bomb gonna blow it up and so <laughs> they had just pulled up on this unstable planet and the bomb's coming out, but there's the guy in the airlock. Yeah. And it's going to be like this whole thing because, like, they, they can't drop the bomb while he's in the airlock, right? Well, I don't even... I don't know that it matters for them dropping the bomb that he's in the airlock. I think it's just the fact that he's futzing with the communications laser at a bad time. Like, he, like... Because him... So he tries to fix the... Well, okay, like we said earlier, he's like, I found out what the problem is, and Doolittle is like, shut the fuck up. Just um, just utterly ignores yeah. him for no reason. Well, he's, he's like, like, I'm trying to concentrate on destroying this planet. Yeah, I'm going to bomb this thing. thing, shut up. And he's like, I found a major ship malfunction. Right. And he's like, shut up. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he is basically he's going to fix it on his own. And then in the process of trying to fix the laser array to make, I think... To make the bomb and the computer communicate more clearly. Yeah, and to actually drop the bomb. To drop it when it's supposed to be dropped, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, he messes something up or he does something wrong. And no, he, he, he steps into the uh, the, he, he the laser, the whatever laser. fucking laser array. The, yeah. they, it blasts two lasers across the thing and the computer is like, don't step in front of the lasers. But then something happens and he falls in front of the lasers and it fucks everything up. Well, yeah, because one of the brilliant like things is like uh, this movie has a lot of that like sci-fi jargon that I'm fascinated with where they're yeah. like, 95 degrees past so into 75 and that looks nominal to me you know like that kind of thing yeah but they also sidestep that in some beautiful ways and this is one where like the computer is about to say like do not cross the the laser beams or it will cause and then he does it and something explodes like so like yeah. you don't hear what it's gonna cause yeah but you just know something really bad happened yeah it's like uh like because the computer is giving giving him the warning and it's like do not for any reason step in front of the beams right, do right. not for any reason step in front of the beams it, it says that like once or twice yeah yeah, yeah. it kind of sets it up and then he falls in front of the beams and like some shit happens yeah and um well, and that that really fucks up the communication between the computer and the and the bomb. Yes. So that then, so that then the bomb is basically like, what is it? It's like 
uh, I'm going to detonate, but I'm not going to drop, basically. Yeah, for some reason, for some reason, that little snafu makes it so that the bomb won't uncouple from like the like like the thing that's holding yeah, on to yeah, it. Yeah. And this this, by the way, is still number 20 sassy bomb. Right. This is this is Mr. This is Mr. Hot shit bomb, like, yeah, you yeah. know, talking back to master and stuff like that. And right. Being like, oh, but my programming <laughs> and all that shit. Bomb linen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Nailed it. I'll be um, here all night. So so this bomb is just like having like a like a like a total argument with the computer oh right and they can't they can't do anything about it they're, they're trying to like override its systems yeah. they're trying to talk to the bomb and that it, it won't listen to them and it won't listen to the computer yeah and so do little yeah he's like he's like there's one thing i can do yeah I and it, it, he he talks to the ship's captain and yes. this is a big reveal yes he, he says there's one thing i can do i can talk to commander or whatever his name was i don't remember yeah so um, he so Doolittle goes down into a, a uh, heretofore <laughs> never mentioned cryogenic chamber where the quote unquote dead commander is being held and he's in ice. Yeah. And he's not fully dead. They have apparently like an array to his brain and he has the world's slowest conversation. Yes. Do you know? OK, so when I was watching this, I'm, I'm a huge uh, Philip K. Dick fan. Oh yeah, and um, oh, you love, are too. We've talked about I this. I love yeah. Philip K. Dick. Yeah. Sorry, I just I love Philip K. Dick so much. Got to crack one open for him. Oh, Tate, you got to stop drinking, bro. <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. Long hair, don't care. <laughs> That's um, the spirit. Sorry, not sorry. Um, no, but okay, yeah. So yeah, so uh, when I was watching this, I was like. This is exactly okay. I'm gonna get it. Like, this is probably the nerdiest thing I'm gonna say here, but I was like, this is exactly like the novel Ubik by Philip K. Dick. Like, yeah. have you read that one? I have not read Ubik. Okay, I'm, we might have been talking about this not too long ago, but yeah. um, in that novel, a big part of it is that, um, like, part of the the world of that novel is that, like, when someone's dying or just after they've died you can take them to these facilities where they will like cryogenically freeze their bodies, but also hook them, hook their brains up to like things. So you can, you can talk to their thoughts basically. Yes. We've, that, that was the basis for a Futurama episode. We talked about this. Oh, which, which Futurama episode? There's a, there's a Futurama episode where the professor gets taken uh, to a special planet and hooked up to like a cryo thing. And it's like, it, like he is it where brain, he like relives his past, like and sees his childhood or like, no, he's like, it's like a retirement community thing oh. or something to get old people out. Is, is it, it also where Fry like encounters his grandparents or they're, they're the professor's grandparents maybe. No, that's, uh, that's, that's the one where they go back in time. No, no, I, that's the Roswell one. Yeah. But no, but there's one where he encounters, it's either his grandparents or the professor's grandparents in some sort of facility. And he's basically like, you're the grandparents I never had. I only remember it really because there's the joke where it, when he first, when Fry first meets them, yeah. he's like, he's like, I'm going to call you grandma and Shabadoo. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but yeah. Okay, so uh, yes, Philip K. Dick. So that's so that's what's happening in this movie. So when I was I watched this, I was like, "Oh, that's really fucking cool!" Like that's got to be a specific reference. Yeah. Reading up later, it turns out it was Dan O'Bannon was like a, a Philip K. Dick 
fan and a Ray Bradbury fan, which the ending of this movie is also a really specific reference, apparently, to a Ray Bradbury short, short story. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Um, like, I, I've read a lot of Philip K. Dick short, short stories, and uh, I, like, I've only really read like Fahren, uh, Fahrenheit 451 yeah, yeah. as far as like Bradbury yeah. and stuff goes. Um, but We'll like, get to the very ending. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring that up again. But yes, yeah, so he's communicating with the frozen commander. That was also a thing, though. You were saying, like, the slowest conversation ever. That's the thing in the Philip K. Dick story, Ubik, is, like... And it probably happens in other stories, too. Um, but um, it's, like, because the person in Philip K. Dick's novel, because the person is actually dead, their brain functions are just, like, kind of slowly deteriorating. So and trying they, to talk be, to them... And there would be an ice anyway, yeah. which, like, would, like, probably just slow it down. Right. So, like, yeah. trying to talk to them is very much how it's like depicted in this movie. Only in this movie, it's hilarious. Yes. Because he's like, there's a problem with it. Like, we're going to explode. The bomb's going to explode. Like, what do we do? And the guy's like, <laughs> duh, I don't remember. Well, he's like, well, yeah, but he's like, he's like, there's just one thing you must tell me. And he's like, what? What? What is it? He's like, how are the Dodgers doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that part. Yeah. And he's like, the Dodgers disbanded 15 years ago. And the right. guy's like, and he's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it made me feel sad for him. It was like, I forget so much in this ice. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I, I liked, I liked, uh, the spacey captain and especially, okay. So they're trying to figure out how to make all of this stuff. Like they're trying to uncouple this bomb. Yeah. This fucking bomb won't uncouple itself right. from the dark star. They're trying to figure out how to do it. Doolittle is out. Okay. No, Oh. When, when does Doolittle go out? Well, okay, so he's talking to the frozen commander, but then it cuts back to um, uh, Pinback and Boiler. Yes. And th- it, I, I love this exchange, too, where Pinback is trying to talk to the bomb. Yeah. And he's like, uh, I forget exactly what he says, but he's like, he's like, um, he's basically like, well, couldn't you, couldn't, couldn't we talk about this a little bit? You know, basically, and the bomb's like, we can talk about it. And, yeah. and, and Pinback is like, well, wouldn't you consider any other course of action, like maybe just waiting around a little while and seeing if we can figure anything out? And the bomb just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bomb just like every just like everybody, like yeah. Pinback gets shut down, gets shut down by the bomb. And Pinback is also like smoking, like nervously smoking a cigarette, like like he's like in like NASA mission control or something. Like he's just like sucking down a cigarette, like trying to do anything. Oh, yeah. Well, then, I mean, like the whole the whole thing with those bombs, like and it's something that we maybe didn't talk about at the beginning, but that that first planet explosion scene, they have to go into hyperdrive to get far enough away from it because they oh, explode full planets. That's right. I didn't even think about that. And so the bomb, the bombs that they're dropping are in this world, like, like unbelievably powerful. Yeah. Because even at this part, at the end, the computer says like, I've, uh, I've done something where I'll be able to contain the explosion to a one mile radius, but that's all I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what happens. That's, that's the way that it goes there. They start the bomb sequence. The guy falls through the uh the laser beams and that damages the computer yes and so the computer and the bomb now can't 
communicate, so Doolittle goes out right. to talk to the bomb. Because the bomb, as we've said before, is a very saucy sort of uh, right. fellow. He's got like his own opinions. Right. He knows what's up. He knows his prime directive, <laughs> and he's ready to blast, baby. Yeah, that's right. And he wants to do it, and he's tired of being messed around. The The commander mentions something to Doolittle about phenomenology i think that's the word that he uses that was that was the whole thing because okay so so doolittle gets uh and it is called phenomenology that's i I think that's what they said i've never heard that word before i i am i feel like it's made up but it's basically it's basically the paradox of like of you don't know what you're sensing yeah. is real because yeah. you you only have your own reference point and then you can only take other people's word for it. Right. And it becomes like this like logical paradox that like kind of flummoxes the bomb at the last minute. Yeah, he goes out and has a philosophical debate with a bomb. Yes. Which is and awesome. It, and and for what it's worth, that part also lasts like eight <laughs> yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, this isn't this isn't just like oh like you know, uh, I think therefore I am. The bomb goes like, Durr. like yeah, it's a yeah. whole long exchange. It's long. It's but long. It, it like it made me laugh so much because like I think knowing too that these guys were college students while they made this movie. Oh yeah, I was like. Yeah, that feels like so many like discussions I've had like at bars when I was in my early twenties about being like, Well, how do you how can you trust your senses? Like how do you know you actually exist? You don't actually know anything. That's know? right. That's right. You don't know anything past your own perceptions. That's right. Big how fat even, bong rip. You don't even know that <laughs> you exist, bro. There's no way to know. Ugh. But then I, I I took down in my notes that he basically ends up gaslighting the bomb. Because like he like well that's that's exactly what happens that's what he does because he he basically convinces the bomb that Pinback didn't give him the order to explode yes he okay so he the did. entire the uh, the entire conundrum is based on they're trying to they're trying to do like a, the logical paradox of like can you trust your own senses to this bomb that's like a s- sassy gentleman yeah. bomb and I mean, and and this bomb just wants to fucking explode some planets he's like ready to purpose. go yeah he's ready to blast yeah we haven't really even i i think it's kind of telling of this movie that we have not asked the question why did they give the bombs personalities or voices at all for for the life of me i don't understand no. it but i loved it especially the fir- especially the first time where like the bomb comes out like mistakenly and yeah. the, the, and uh the ship's computer is like don't go out there and he's like but i got you my oh i got my uh, oh got my they told me to come out here then <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, it's it's so it's so funny and they do they legitimately do three beats of it and then he yeah. has a, a Doolittle has a weird philosophical conversation with the bomb the bomb decides to cogitate on what he's been told and descends yeah okay so oh. after so after that then they shoot Trelby out of the uh, out, out of the, the airlock, airlock because, because okay so the the bomb the bomb says I need more time to think about this. Yes. And goes back up into the ship. Yes. Still armed. Uh, Obviously. And it's another one of those times in the movies where everyone is just like, 
Well, that was crazy. Don't need to worry about it anymore. Even yeah. though there's an armed bomb. Oh, I well, think that's even, done forever. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it, one of them even says like, hey, we should work on disarming that bomb. And the other guy is like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, yeah. So then, so so Doodle is like, hey, um, open the, the rear airlock. It's too much trouble for me to, he says it's too much trouble for, for him to, to go, go to in. The dorsal one. Which is where he came out. Yes, so and I don't know he was why. presumably right next to it the entire time. Yes, so I don't know why it's more trouble to go in than it is to come out, but whatever. Yeah. So he says, like, open the, the rear. And also one of my favorite things about this movie is that, like, the entire time, none of the rest of the crew gives a shit about Trilby. They don't the, even, they, they, a couple times they mention like, hey, why doesn't he come down here and eat with us? But that's it. They, like, the rest of the time, they all seem to just kind of forget that he's there. Um, like he was trying to like, like talk to them about a major ship malfunction yeah. and they ignored him. And then, okay. So this is, this is maybe one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Cause I fucking love this. It makes no sense, but I loved it. So, so Doolittle is coming back into the rear airlock and he's like, blow the rear airlock so that I can get back in. It's too much trouble to go into the dorsal airlock. Right, right. So they blow the rear airlock. That's where, uh, Trilby is. Yeah. yeah. And Trilby goes shooting out like a missile. He, it sucks him out into space. Sucks him out into space, like you know the vacuum of space. He goes flying away, and Doolittle's like, "Oh, there he goes." Yeah, and and he's trying to get back in. <clears throat> Doolittle's trying to get back in, but then he's got like the rocket pack, so he starts going back. He's he's he like, "I'm gonna going go to, after Trilby." Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna go after Trilby, and then. As he's going after Trilby, and Trilby is just like flying away from him. Yeah. And he's going after him, and the bomb, number 20, yes. decides that it is God, and it oh. re it recites some bit with some Bible verses. Well, because doesn't Pinback ben, does try to disarm it? Isn't that yeah. what it is? He's like, hey, we need you to disarm. Yeah. And then he recites some Bible verses, like, in the beginning, there was only darkness. Like, yeah. You know, like, and then, I mean, yeah, the last line that he has is great. I loved it. And it so so it was like legitimately kind of haunting. <clears throat> so bomb number 20 ends up exploding. It kills it kills <coughs> Boiler and Penback. Penback. Yeah. <coughs> I'm having a lot of trouble with their names right now. That's okay. I think they got interesting names. Yeah. So it kills Boiler and Penback. Uh Doolittle is still out in space with Trilby going after Trilby and he's going after Trilby, but then they get kind the of explosion. Blown. They, they get blown kind of in different ways because of the yeah. explosion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so there's, there's something that we didn't bring up, which is the, uh, the, the oh, Phoenix, the Phoenix asteroids, the Phoenix asteroids that were flying around. Yeah, space. Yeah. That was so when Trilby and, um, uh, Doolittle are having their like big, really long conversation in the dome, um, and Doolittle talks about his surfboard. Uh, uh, Trilby talks about how, like, he's just up there. He likes to watch things. He likes to see the planets. He likes to see the stars and stuff. And he talks about, yeah, the Phoenix asteroids. And also Doolittle has, a, he, I remember, like, he's, he's like, the Phoenix asteroids, never heard of them. And yeah. I was like, well, aren't you also an astronaut? <laughs> like, yeah. Aren't you, you know out this? here with this guy? Like, made me wonder, know? like, does he have, like, the same backstory as, like, Pinback? Are they all a pin back where none of them are supposed to be there. It kind of felt that way. Cause they're all kind of dipshits. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. But anyway, yeah. So, so, so that was, that was my favorite part of it where Trilby's flying away. 
and uh, 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 Doolittle is trying to pick him up. He's using a jetpack. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see the Phoenix asteroids and yeah. they're, they're doing like, it's, it's know, a very specific glistening. They talk about the glistening or, you know, the, the yeah, shining or whatever. Earlier he says like, he's like, it's a group of asteroids that travel the universe and they, they like shine like rainbow colors and no one knows why, you know, like yeah. no one knows like where they came from or like what they are exactly. And, like, and they circle the universe once every like 12 trillion years or something. Oh, is that, I might've missed that. That was, that was a, that was a, that was a, uh, detail. So, so hey. he's, he's flying away and he's like, they're, they're talking on their radio comms and Trelby is like, the Phoenix asteroids and you can see like a sparkling yeah, in the yeah. distance. And then like the asteroids just like pick him up and he starts sparkling and he's like, he I'm going like, to fly I'm around sparkling. the universe forever. But he, it like his, his ending is oddly poetic and kind of beautiful in a way because like, he's like, he's talking to Doolittle yeah. and Doolittle is like, or, or, or I think Trilby is like, what happened to Pinback and Boiler? And Doolittle is just like, they're dead. Like, yeah. They they blew up. They're dead. Yeah. And Trilby's like, I just want to say one last thing before I go, before our comms fade out. You were always my favorite. And oh, yeah. And Doolittle's just like, thanks. I, I liked you too, you know? And it's really sweet. Yeah. And then he keeps fading away, and they do the really cool thing of, like, he's still talking, but his audio gets lower and lower and lower in volume. Like, his audio is fading out. I was, I was going to bring that up because it was like, he's like, I just like you. Yeah. And it's like, it's like somebody's just like talking quieter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just wanted to say before I go, that I just wanted you to know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I thought it was really kind of touching. Yeah. Oh, so, then, but at little... the same time, he's sparkling and turning into an yes. asteroid. Right. And he's like, and... I'll, oh, and he says this thing too. He's like, He's like, I'm going to travel the universe. He's like, I'll be back around this way someday. <laughs> yeah. And the end of the end of the movie, spoiler alert, this is and this was my very favorite part of the movie. Oh, because, OK, so so Doodle is floating away and he, he kind of goes like, hey, there's some debris from the ship. Like, you know, like it's coming up at me. Oh, yeah. oh I better grab a piece this of guy it. Just like, cool. But then, like, yeah, a big piece floats by. Yes, and it's a big piece with like a with a ladder, and he's plummeting towards some planet, and he grabs it, and he, <laughs> I swear to God, it's like it's basically like he looks at the oh, it's almost like he looks at the camera, and goes, I know what to do yep, with yep, this, yep. and he jumps on it like a surfboard because oh, yeah. the surfboard thing is now paying off. He jumps on it like a surfboard and surfs it into the atmosphere and presumably, presumably burns up, up yeah. and dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the last shot of him surfing, like, I don't know why. That was it, my like, favorite. Oh, it was, I loved it. It was so great. I it, But it, like, kind of caught me by surprise. <laughs> I guess I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have been. But, like, because, yeah, you should know as soon as he grabs the big piece of debris that, like, okay, that's what he's going to do. He's going to surf it. <laughs> he's like, I know what to do with this. Right. <laughs> I mean, it might as well do that. Because what it does, it, it cuts to the music cue of Benson, Arizona. That's that country yeah. song from the beginning again. Yeah. And it so, and that was also very Dr. Strangelove. Because, like, at the end of Dr. Strangelove, with like Slim Pickens is like cowboy riding the nuclear bomb yeah. down to the ground. Totally. This was exactly the same as that, except he's surfing a piece of debris into a, a planet's atmosphere and it's playing a country song oh my god that was that, and that was it. one i and and then and then just that that little poof where like he's obviously gets mm-hmm. burnt up it's like pa 
That's a real, <laughs> that's a real Wiley e. Coyote moment. We're just like, yeah. yeah, hell yeah, man. It was okay. So for anybody listening, Dark Star is quite a ride. It's yeah, it's great. Um, it's it's so great, but it's also it's also so seventies. And if you're a John Carpenter fan, like you can really see the proto John Carpenter. Okay, I'm interested to hear you kind of talk a little bit more about that because I don't really know exactly what's to come. I mean, I know a little bit, but like when you say like proto John Carpenter. So it's like it's like it's like the the moody synth uh, score. Yeah. It's like the kind of fantastical uh, uh, like setting. Like there's usually like some kind of monster or alien. You know, it's like it's kind of horror-y. Yeah, yeah. But then also very much like the the practical effects, like you know the stupid tomato guy. Right. Like that looked so proto john carpenter to me especially okay. seeing like so much of his other stuff because he really goes heavy like on the makeup like yeah yeah you know he he's he's not gonna try to like fake anything it's got to be like a puppet right all right, right so like the thing like it's all like practical effects and stuff yeah yeah but um but this was this was a very interesting uh watch for me because it was it definitely felt more comedy oriented. Yeah. And I was surprised by that because like John Carpenter, he might have like funny moments and stuff like that, but he's generally more of like kind of like a horror guy. Yeah. You that's, know? that's kind of been my awareness of him. Yeah. Um, so so this one, this one was very surprising to watch because it's like it's it's not just like all over the place. Like I've. You right, know, barely right. heard of it before. Yeah, and I don't, then yeah. and then it's also like a mid seventies like comedy. Yeah, that like doesn't super hold up. It's a it's a mid seventies comedy that is also clearly made by sci fi nerds. Yes, like because there are some very specific references. Oh, I was gonna say the ending is. Um, I guess there's a there's a Ray Bradbury short story. I haven't read this. I was just reading about this today. Reading about the movie. Yeah. Um. There's a Ray Bradbury short story called kaleidoscope i think okay and it's the whole short story is a group of astronauts floating in space slowly separating from each other after their ship blows up until the last two are the only ones left in like in radio comms together yeah and one of them floats into like a kaleidoscopic field of asteroids and the other one floats into the atmosphere of a planet and burns up so oh, it was wow. like directly lifted from, the, and Dan O'Bannon is even like, yeah, I lifted that directly from the short story. Hey. It also kind of made me be like, wow, there's just a time when you could just rip off stuff and it was fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, people weren't so litigious and the uh, internet wasn't a thing. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. also Ray Bradbury probably was not like seeing this movie. That's that's certainly true. Yeah, I mean, I, guess, I don't know. He, I think maybe he did live in L.A., so I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Matter. Um. Cool. Dark Star. Yeah. So, the, so uh, I guess I guess that's the uh, gist of Dark Star from like start virtually from start to finish. Yeah. So I uh, Tate, what I want to ask you uh, on a scale of one to five, what would you would you recommend people watch Dark Star? On a scale of one to five, would I recommend people watch it? Yeah. Um, one being one being no, five being yes. Oh, five. Like, yeah, and then I'll give it a, a solid five. I I feel like I would give it a four. I would okay. I would be I would belay uh, watching it for some people who can't get on with like like kind of like camp. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. To a certain extent, and it is it is like a very dated looking movie, and the pacing sure. is so sure relatively slow. Well, and I guess I will say like part of the part of the like the 
the the very obvious like cheapness of it yeah um is very endearing to me i i always love those kinds of especially i think movies from this era that are like i mean we mentioned like thx 1138 yeah before. yeah that's another movie that i love incredibly slow Although yeah. that movie is not funny at all. Um, <laughs> it's just very bleak. But it has that like 70s student film aesthetic to it where you can just tell like there's just some, you know, 22 year olds uh, throwing everything they got at at what they want, at their dreams, you know, like just hungry to make their dreams come true. That's right. Some guys painted silver and it's going to maybe suffocate him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? God damn it. It's going to be worth it. God damn it. We're going to get that uh, 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 tornado sequence in Kansas. Yeah. So right. help me God. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little person hangs himself here or there. But you know what? In the end. Hey, baby, Who it's cares? Hollywood. It's Hollywood. Right. I like that we're talking about Wizard of Oz as if it was an independent like student film. That's right. <laughs> it was like one of the biggest studio movies ever. That's right. Also, everyone's hanging themselves, and it's that's just Hollywood. That's just the way that it just goes. just how it goes. You know what? Sometimes you got to suffer for your art. There was only one more thing that I wanted to say about this movie. Let me okay. actually quickly scroll through my notes. Okay. Okay. There's two more things I want to say about this movie. Sure. There was a really it. funny moment at the end after the ship blows up and Doolittle and um, uh, Trilby yeah. are floating away from each other. They see the commander still frozen in ice floating away from the ship. Oh, oh man. I wanted to bring that up. That yeah, was, yeah. They were like, the commander escaped and he's yeah. just like in a block of ice, like flying away and naked. And you can kind of hear his little mind yeah. voice. Just he's, being, like, he's like, I forget so much up here. <laughs> <laughs> But but um, uh, they, that was they, legitimately funny. It was so funny, and the the line that Doodle has that that makes me laugh so much. I think because I think because um, Trilby says something about like, oh, he's going off to see the universe or some something weird yeah. like that. And Doodle Doodle goes, yeah, the skipper always was lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the dude is dead. He's frozen in ice. <laughs> He's floating away into the nothingness of space. And just to be like, yeah, he always was the lucky one. <laughs> oh, man. The skipper always lucks out. He died in an exploding chair and we put him in ice. And now he's flying through space yeah. forever going. Bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> Where is my brain? <laughs> but yeah, that that line just killed me. I yeah. laughed so much at that. Yeah, um, th there's there's a lot of good stuff to like about Dark Star. But yeah. like, you know, for like knowing what it is is right. like an important thing. And yeah. I, I see a lot of like, I see a lot of, a lot of John Carpenter's like stuff that like is building up. So like, right, I'm, I'm right, really right. excited for like the next few movies. Me too. Because like, I also like, I, I, I don't imagine that there are many people like of our generation right now. Yeah. Whose first experience with John Carpenter was dark star. Yeah. So I'm, like I feel kind of weirdly like lucky in a way where I'm like the first John Carpenter movie I ever saw was Dark Star. You know? Oh yeah, like, you're and like, I get to kind of brag about that a little bit. You're you're like a '70s dude at this point. I know. I'm like I'm like who like you know I either lived in L.A. in 1974 and went to see every single movie that ever came out, and so I happened to see this one at a film festival. Oh yeah. Or I went to school with these guys, yeah. <laughs> and so I was forced to watch it in a class or something, you know. Oh yeah, totally. But uh, no, I'm just I'm just uh, you know. No, you're I'm just a 70s just guy, man. Take 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 the opportunity, take a breath, buy I mean, a car for a thousand dollars, beat your wife, I'm gonna like buy a, do whatever well, you gotta do. 
I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna buy a Ford Pinto. Oh, that's a I good, hear that those are really safe, good cars, and uh, very uh, gas efficient. Yes, they virtually never burst into flames. That's what I hear. Yeah, virtually never. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only other last thing I want to say about this movie, okay, is did you notice? Well, do you know who Nick Castle is? I feel like that name rings a bell, but I don't know. I only know this because of the podcast um, in Voorhees We Trust with Corley and Rust. Okay. Um, the second season. God damn it. God damn it. Hashtag. Shut that fucking phone off, Andy. Hashtag phone problems. We've got three more hours to go. What are you doing? I know. It, this 82-minute movie is... <laughs> no, I get it. Sorry. Uh, no. Um, we were just talking about being that guy. Earlier. I know. And then look at... Look, and, uh, up, it's me. You're me I'm, I'm the first one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you're not because we were talking about because my phone started playing a podcast. <laughs> I was the first one, but no, we'll pretend it's you. Um, no, but anyway, um, I only know the name Nick Castle because of that wonderful podcast. He played uh, Michael Myers in Halloween. Yes, and in this movie, he was credited as a camera assistant. And so I was like, "Oh, is that right?" Yeah. So oh, I, I didn't like, notice that. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, that's really cool that like he was just." I wonder if, I don't know if he was like a student with him or he was just some dude that they knew who was like, he's like somebody's little, he's somebody's little brother. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I want to be in the movie. Right, right, right. And they're like, put on this painted white William Shatner mask, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. idiot. <laughs> pretend uh, to, pretend to stab Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> fine. You can be in the movie, but we'll only let you play one of the most iconic horror villains of all time. If you'll shut up. That's right. And you don't get paid and we're going to all kick you in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if that guy, if Nick Castle came back for the 2018 Halloween, I actually don't know that. Probably not. I would assume. Oh, I feel like they missed an opportunity. Maybe you did. It doesn't matter. We're not doing the Halloween movies. Not we're doing yet. John Carpenter movies. Yeah, we're well. well we're only going to do one Halloween movie. Yes, that's and that's uh, after our next episode, which is Assault on Precinct Thirteen, which I'm very excited for. I th this is one that I've never seen before. I've seen Halloween. I've seen a lot of these John Carpenter movies, but like there is like a cap, like on those early John Carpenter movies yeah, that yeah, like yeah. it makes me very excited because I love watching an artist's progression yeah. and stuff but also like being like huh, John Carpenter didn't always make like the thing yeah they they weren't all like a plus number 1 100% hits yeah totally maybe i don't know we'll see to me dark star so far if if i if dark star was the only movie john carpenter ever made and i saw it i'd be like I'm a big John Carpenter fan. <laughs> I loved this movie. This this weirdly feels like a movie that I might go back to a lot. It, it's like I really liked the atmosphere of it and yeah. and that weird alien. So great. I I I'm I'm it was so strange. When I was watching the movie, like and that scene came up where you see the beach ball alien and like he's feeding it for the first time, you know? Yeah. Um I had this weird sense of deja vu. I was like, I've definitely seen clips of this i don't know where or when maybe at like an alamo draft house like pre-show or something like that you know yeah. but i was like i've definitely seen this before i just didn't know what this movie was yeah like where it came from yeah, yeah. this film definitely has like uh like the pre-roll before an alamo draft house film like sort of vibe, like vibe. It. it really does yeah it yeah. really does yeah 
All righty. Cool. Well, well is there anything else we want to say before we? No, I think I think it's about time we wrapped up. I think we've been talking for what four hours on this. Who knows? Actually, let me check really quick. I think we've been wa- talking for four hours on this eighty-two minute movie. We're only two hours. It's two fine. hours. Sorry, okay, that's two, that's fine. Yeah, but I two. but I do feel like we kind of like wrapped it all up. So I think so. Um, well, I didn't ask you. What, on, on a scale from one to five, would you recommend people watch this movie? Oh, five, totally. Okay. Wait, like, I think you actually did say that earlier. Yeah. Okay. No, I like, like I, I loved it. It's just like, it's just not, it's just not John Carpenter the way that you think of John Carpenter. But it's like, yeah. it's like, a, it's very much like a mid seventies like indie, yeah, weird thing. Yeah, yeah. And oh man, watching that alien just like get popped. Oh man, so great, delightful. And I love to like watching this and knowing that the everyone and well not everyone uh, knowing that a few of the people involved went on to bigger and better things. Yes, that's true. Yeah, there. Uh, I you know I actually heard that Kurt Russell played the. Uh, <laughs> he played, played the, the alien. Beach ball. Yeah, he played the beach ball. <laughs> makes sense. You know, it makes sense. Um, the only was, last thing I will say is Dan O'Bannon, if you're out there, hit me up. I'm single. <laughs> Hit us, and, hit us, uh, hit us up. We're both single. Uh, yeah. Corrections to at uh, real Donald Trump on That's Twitter. Right. That is right. And um, we'll be back next time with Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Thanks right. for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.